Hello, everyone. The invasion of Ukraine and the ongoing war orchestrated by Russia's despot Vladimir Putin and his military forces in his attempt to subjugate the country under Russian control, which has displaced many Ukrainians and cost many lives, is far more important to know and talk about than anything else. So before we begin the show proper, I wanted to share some links and resources to help spread awareness of ways we can help the Ukrainian people in their time of need. The Ukrainian Crisis Media Center has many tips on how to help the situation by using best practices to keep misinformation in check and how to spot Russian propaganda and weaken their ability to make war on the country. It also lists several ways to send financial support to Ukrainian military and other frontline workers. A card has also been set up providing additional information and learning resources on the war and other ways to provide assistance by either petitioning your government to provide assistance to the Ukrainian government or by participating as a volunteer or by donating to different organizations which include military and medical units as well as other volunteer groups, veteran groups, groups that aim to help children affected by the war and the card also provides a link to donate to Ukraine's independent journalism source, the Kiev Independent. Even more resources are available on a link tree that has been set up, which includes a link to support queer members of the Ukrainian military and links to humanitarian legal aid in Crimea, humanitarian psychological aid, several fact-checking links to articles to crime debunking, anti-Ukrainian propaganda, and other helpful resources. Video essayist and podcast host Shannon Strishy has also set up a fundraising campaign to Tiltify for the Ukraine Refugee International Rescue Committee Emergency Fund. The IRC is an organization that responds to humanitarian crises and has dedicated teams who aim to provide clean water, shelter, healthcare, education, and support to refugees and displaced people and this campaign is specifically for Ukrainian refugees displaced by the war. For even more ways to directly help individual Ukrainian residents and refugees, Olato Konbokoiki has set up a PayPal to help Afro-Caribbean students trying to flee the country and pay for their transportation and housing costs of their evacuation attempts. Ukrainian residents of other ethnicities, particularly those from Africa, have not been receiving as much attention and support in their evacuations, oftentimes being turned away at the border of other countries, while lighter-skinned, let's say, Ukrainian citizens are let through. So this PayPal is especially important and potentially life-saving support for these students and for these individuals living in the country who also need to flee. For more information on the politics and history that build up to this invasion, the American Prestige podcast has been tracking the conflict between Russia and Ukraine for the past few months, dedicating several episodes to the conflict in their Ukraine Explained subseries. And the most recent episodes 
describe and analyze the decision to invade by Russia and the potential ramifications of it. And I find Derek and Daniel's political analyses uh, educational and insightful. And their show is a good resource to learn about the conflict and follow updates on its development and all the politics surrounding it from an international perspective. And for an Ukrainian perspective on the invasion, Zoya Sheftalovic, an Ukrainian-born contributing editor for Politico, currently based in Australia, wrote a strong analysis exploring why Putin probably decided to invade and how he has potentially miscalculated, which provides an optimistic perspective that Ukrainians can and ultimately will prevail against this onslaught, which will hopefully fall apart due to Putin's underestimation of the Ukrainian people and their leadership. More perspectives from people directly embroiled in the center of the conflict. Well, Ukrainian President Zelensky's plea to the Russian people is one of the most important emotional speeches and rallying cries to help the Ukrainian people and stop the war that should be watched by everyone. Many Ukrainian citizens have also made shreds documenting their experiences, and a particularly comprehensive one by a Ukrainian teen on Twitter, at Oigoi Solden, has many videos depicting scenes of the war from a civilian perspective. Nothing too graphic, but still very harrowing. Destruction of buildings. And updates on what is going on in the country, as well as links to resources that can help the Ukrainian people, and petitions to NATO to close the airspace over Ukraine, and a petition to cut Russia off from SWIFT. I want to help the Ukrainian people suffering the war as the best we can, and the very least we can do is let our audience know ways to educate themselves on what is going on, and ways to help and provide financial and political support to the Ukrainian people. And we might not be able to provide the most comprehensive compilation of links and resources out there, but I'll try my best to keep an eye out and figure out ways we can help as much as we can. And my heart and prayers go out to the Ukrainian people in this time, and I pray for an end to the war. As quickly as possible. And I also want to help promote ways to support transgender youth in Texas, who've recently been targeted by anti-trans edicts by Texas Governor Greg Abbott that attempts to label allowing trans children to be themselves as child abuse and calls on teachers and doctors and other public workers and professionals to report trans children and their parents to authorities. As the ACLU has investigated, this edict is not legally binding or enforceable. It is opinion, but it is still dangerous fear-mongering and misinformation, and trans youth are still at risk of harassment and persecution in Texas by these efforts to turn these decrees, these opinions, into real legislation. And Shannon, again, has set up an act blue to donate to the Transgender Education Network of Texas Tent, which works to halt discrimination of transgender people through social, legislative, and corporate education efforts and 
has an emergency relief fund for trans people in dire straits. Heron Greensmith on Twitter has also compiled a thread of smaller organizations in Texas that serve to help trans communities, particularly intersexual and multiracial trans communities. Anime Feminist has also compiled their own resource and links list for resources that can help support trans youth in Texas, both donating and learning more information on how to help trans communities and children in Texas in terms of like legal rights and other counseling and support. And they also have some resources or some links to help Ukrainian people in crisis, especially the Jewish Ukrainian community, and a link to an initiative from game developers to create a bundle to support Ukraine on Itch Isle. So please definitely check those resources out and their links to donation pages and information pages. Friend of the show, Dawn from the Anime Nostalgia Podcast has also set up her own fundraising campaign for intent in which she has set up a raffle where if you send her proof of your donation to Tent anytime during the month of March, you will be entered into a raffle in which the winner can select a topic to be covered on the Anime Nostalgia podcast. Every $5 donation will count as one raffle ticket, so the more you donate, the more entries you'll have in the raffle. And you can just send a screenshot or copy of your donation to her email, animenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. This is a really wonderful and incredible initiative Donna set up to help raise funds for tent and help trans kids and communities under attack right now in Texas. It is the kind of campaign that we will try and set up on our show in the near future, both to help trans communities in Texas and queer communities also under attack in Florida, and also refugees and citizens of Ukraine. We will be working on our own efforts, but this is a really wonderful gesture and incentive that I highly encourage you participate in to help, again, trans kids who really could use the support right now. We'll continue to signal boost and to try and find ways to help communities in crisis on the show. This is an honestly inconsequential podcast about Japanese comics, but we want to do what we can to talk about important stuff happening in the world that affects the real lives of real people and try and help and support them in real ways. And at the very least, as always, we hope our podcast can provide entertainment and comfort to anyone in a bad situation. And as these conflicts in the world persist, so will our efforts to help the people affected by them. But for now, we will transition from 
the real world to the transient fantasy lands of anime cons as we enter into our discussion of Anime NYC 2021. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Manga Mavericks, the show where we talk about manga as a medium and as an industry, and release our exhaustingly long anime convention podcast reports months after the con is over, when everyone else has already moved on. Alas, one of these days, our convention podcast won't take months after the con is over to come out. This is probably the worst yet at three months past the con, but today is not that day, clearly. But hey, you know what? Anime NYC kept this waiting queue and for a much longer time, for two years, because after a pandemic and post hiatus, Anime NYC returned in 2021 with its highest ever attendance. It was worth the wait. And, well, maybe, because with the highest ever attendance came its longest ever line. So was the waiting worth it or was it just more waiting? Has Anime NYC grown too big for the Javits Center to handle? Was it even a good idea to congregate 50,000 plus anime nerds together during a global pandemic? Was Anime NYC a super event? Or just a super spreader event? Well, me and Relord are joined by our usual gang of friends who attended a con with us, Sakaki, Jekka, and Marion, to answer the call to all these questions and discuss the highs and the lows of Anime NYC 2021. But before we get into our discussion proper, I wanted to give a few updates and our community shoutouts at the top of the show. First, you may know that Anime NYC was in the center of the news last December and a lot of panic controversy when it was revealed that a Minnesota resident and anime podcast host, Peter McGinn, came back from the con with the Omicron variant and there were potentially other people infected with Omicron at the con. One of the benefits of this podcast coming out late, actually, is that we recently got an update from the CDC that Anime NYC was not a super spreader event after all, and that the precautions the con took, particularly masking and the Javits Center's ventilation system, were effective in mitigating the amount of COVID cases and transmissions during the event. Out of the 4,560 attendees surveyed, for positive COVID tests, only 119 actually came up positive, and of those, only 16 people actually had Omicron, and all those people directly had contact with Peter McGinn and his group, and the 15 other cases that came up with a new variant strain were just the Delta variant. And while it's true that everyone who attended the con had been checked for their COVID test results, and there may be more positive Omicron cases out there that came from the con, overall the sample size indicates that Anime NYC did not spur on widespread Omicron transmission, and the positivity test rate is comparable to the rate in New York City as a whole in the week after the convention, around 3%. Infected cases. 
And this might have been a different story if the event had taken a week or two later, when Omicron really started picking up in New York City, but Anime Lucy really lucked out, and it can't be said to have been a super spreader event for COVID, and should instead be commended for their effective safety measures. And I just wanted to give this update and some context, because we originally recorded this podcast back in December, just like a week after the ANYC Omicron news originally broke. And so a lot of our conversation about the con, particularly up front, is about the con safety practices during the pandemic. And I feel that conversation still holds relevant. But I think this is a pretty important update and distinction and context to keep in mind while evaluating what anime and NYC did or do not do well in handling safety measures and controlling the COVID situation which is more favorable than we originally gave them and the infected attendees credit for. With that news out of the way, let's move on to our community shoutouts for this episode, which are mostly supplemental perspectives about the con or recordings of some of the panels. I won't spend too much time dwelling on each specific report, but I highly recommend reading Erica Friedman's, Sound Gaffney's, the OASG's, Anime News Network's, and Manga Therapy's reports on the con, where they were the pros and cons of the event, and what they liked and didn't like about it, and the many highlights of the weekend. These perspectives are all very well written and very different, so you get a broad sense of what the con is like by reading them, which I appreciate, since one person can't possibly explore and do everything there is to do at the con by themselves. It's just too massive, so I appreciate having different perspectives on it. And I also want to give my thanks to Erica for shouting me out and my tread on the Secrets of Localization panel in her report. That was very kind of her, and it really was just so lovely to see her in person and attend her panel live again, and hope to continue to do so more this year and in the future as cons have come back into full swing. And if you want to listen to other podcasts about anime we receive besides this one, well, Baka Banter, Reverse Season, What Do You Say Anime, all recorded their own reports on the con. And What Did You Say Anime is actually the podcast hosted by Peter, the guy who made the news for getting infected by Omicron at the con. So if you want to hear his thoughts on that from the man himself, well, there you go. The Black Ramen Podcast and the Lookout Podcast also did interviews with Anaris Canones at the con, as well as Zeno Robinson in the Lookouts interview. And it's always awesome to listen to interviews with those two because they're two of the best voice actors in the biz right now. And they are real fun, real funny, have a lot of insightful stuff to say. So it is a good time to listen to any interviews with them, and especially at the con. And you can hear even more from them and their journeys through anime fandom and their voice acting careers on the Black Trailblazers in the Anime Industry panel from Anime Mercy, which was recorded by Sailor Moon Fan Co. President and podcast host Victoria Johnson, who also moderated the panel, and also features other guests and black leaders from the industry, including Hypeland founder Jordan Bentley, Jar Shatajo CEO Archel Islam, and fellow voice actor AJ Beckles. This was a panel I really wanted to attend, but wasn't able to, so I'm really thankful that Victoria recorded it, and it's just delightful to hear all the panels with perspectives on the industry and participating in it as both black fans and creators. And Bandai Namco also recorded their panel featuring Remain director Masafumi Nishida and producer Shinatsu Matsui if you want to check out one of the few Japanese industry panels from the con. And while they sidestep a lot went, went wrong in their 
other project from last year, Tesla Note, uh, another one of those notorious disasters of production. Remain fans, and Remain is a show that's quite well liked, they should get a lot out of it. And the last panel report I want to share is a summary of the Secrets of Localization panel made by Bruce Juice, which I really appreciated as it was their first time going to an anime con. I like hearing their thoughts on the con from that perspective. And their takeaways from the very excellent localization panel reflecting on their own perspectives on localization and how their way of thinking about it has changed. And I appreciate how he recorded and pulled a lot of really good anecdotes and clips from the panel. And honestly, I should try recording panels I attend myself to preserve a lot of these great insights and conversations that I can't completely capture just by tweeting about them. But I did compile my own live thread on that panel that was widely shared and appreciated. And Bruce himself borrowed pictures that he used in his video from it, and he credited it in his video description, which I really appreciated. And Bruce also recorded the entire panel themselves, or the audio for the panel, rather, so I highly encourage you to check that out and listen to it for yourself. It's all the panelists, including friends of the show, Zach Davison, Dr. Moni Monoto, Erica Fieben, as well as industry great Carl Horn, and ANN Editor-in-Chief Lindsay Loveridge had a great conversation on what makes for a good localization and different thoughts and perspectives on it. My last few shoutouts aren't related to Anime NYC specifically, but are tied to an experience we had at the con when we spent our Saturday night chilling together and watching Pop Arena and the Funkland videos. I introduced Sakaki, Jekka, and Mario to Pop Arena's Knickknack series through his Kids' Choice Awards video, which had just released the week of the con, and it's a two-part video that reviews every KCA ever in as much detail as they can, spotlighting what was notable and interesting about each event and how the show evolved over the years and its current state and potential future in the modern, post-COVID, and digital age. And it's a fascinating look at the KCA as a staple of Nickelodeon and as a strange synergy of community and commercialism. And Greg takes many asides to explore long-standing myths and questions about the event, such as why SpongeBob has won practically every KCA Best Animated Show Award since the early 2000s. And Knickknacks is, in general, a series that's consistently excellent and comprehensive in exploring television history, and the Kids' Choice Award episodes are some of his best work yet, so please check them out if you haven't yet, and his channel as a whole, if you've been sleeping on it like Sakaki Chicken Marion had. Now, a creator we'd all been watching was the Funkland who the same weekend as Animator City released an incredibly interesting comprehensive history of Disneyland's Fast Pass feature and dug into the psychology of lines and how different methods of implementing Fast Pass have either been successful or failed over the years, even going so far as to model a virtual simulation of Animal Kingdom to evaluate the most effective implementation of the feature. Plus, an original animation hilariously satirizing the uncontrollable monster Fast Pass has become and Disney's cynical solution to it in their new Genie app program and system. And also, he had a really thoughtful and honest exploration of the classism at the root of Fast Pass that punishes poor guests who don't have the time and money to make the use of the park the most efficiently or really don't just have the time to do that, and how 
the fast food system really just is weighed in the favor of regular and more wealthy visitors to the park. And that's something the Disney Genie program doesn't fix and might actually make even worse. It's an incredible documentary video essay digging into the age-old problem of lines and the staple long lines of the Disney parks in particular, and felt particularly appropriate considering the old lines we had to deal with at Anime NYC that weekend. It's really just too bad we couldn't watch the video all together at the con, but seriously, it is one of the best documentaries, videos, essays I've ever watched, and really is just a total must-watch. And that's my last shout-out, and with those shout-outs shouted out, I think we're finally ready to dig into our long overdue and overly long Podcast report on Anime NYC 2021. Man, if only we had a director like Pompo to edit our podcast down to 90 minutes. That perfect golden light. Alas, much like Bell, it ran just a little too long. But hey, we hope it'll still leave you to have a lot to love as we sing out our praises and our banes returning to New York and the con. Do things that compliment each other and go so well like a recess peanut butter cup. And we've been sitting on this recess peanut butter cup for over two years, waiting to eat it, and finally we've been able to unpeel it and taste it. And even though it's been two years, it has not gone stale. It tastes better than ever. And that recess peanut butter cup metaphor is anime NYC. Like this 2021, <laughs> we have returned to this con of cons where we all meet up and hang out in New York City to celebrate all things anime and manga since this is a manga podcast. And once again, we are joined by our regular crew of friends, Sakaki. Hey, what's up? Jekka. Hello. And Marion. Forget about it. <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. Bing <laughs> bong. <laughs> also, that feels like it, the Reese's peanut butter cup would not be safe to eat at that point. <laughs> candy does. Candy is fine. Candy is a non-perishable. True. I guess, but it's two years old. Yeah, but so long as you haven't got it dirty or exposed or anything, it's fine. I mean... You mean to tell me you haven't eaten two-year-old candy before? It's fine! I don't think I have. Well, I have, and it's fine! <laughs> <laughs> I can listen to this just, just all day. I don't. We don't even need to say anything. You guys just record. 
<laughs> this whole Reese's peanut butter bit is a callback to the previous ANYC episode anyway, in case you've forgotten. I had. I, I also had. Re-listen to the intro. We got lore. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, anyway, we have... Re- we returned to Anime NYC this year. This was like the second major con that V-Lord and I and Sakaki, I believe, you. this is the second major con we went to this year, you know, since the pandemic. I could have had a third. I won tickets to Anime Frontier, and I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, <laughs> but that, that was like, the contest was like a week ago, and then they gave you the tickets like two days before you have to go to Texas, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> can't do that yeah i was calling it a little close like it's a little unreasonable to expect people out of state to be able to just fly over last minute to make plans to go to frontier if they want this probably should have done a few, been a few weeks in advance that contest but yeah i mean i don't think you were missing much in anime frontier i looked at their panel schedule and it's pretty sparse and a lot of things are just repeats of anime and we see anyway because they're both run by Leftfield media the same producer yeah that's that's what i kind of got from like the graphic design and logos and stuff so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, their website format is like very similar to anime nyc whatsoever and they have a very similar if it's not the same mascot for both gods but yeah, like I think to just start off, like how did you feel about the con just in general? What were your feelings of it? Like just you know having experienced the con and getting out of it, and from there we'll go into kind of like the bigger news that come out of the con. But I just want to start there with like how do we all feel about like the con, just Jerry? Um, it's definitely grown compared mm-hmm. to. Like, the last two years. I mean, there's good and bad things about it. I think... <laughs> <laughs> From, like, social media, I'm sure there was plenty of pictures of, just like, the lines to get in mm-hmm. for, like, Friday and Saturday were insane. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. There, it, I think just, like, this being, like, the first big con that was... uh like post like vaccines being available for everyone as far as i could tell like cuz i i know otakon happened but i think that was when vaccine rollout was still like uh not everyone was like vaccinated yeah was it, yeah like, it was still wow. there were still like yeah it was still kind of like being rolled out a little not slowly but there they were still kind of getting it out there there were still like a bit of restrictions in place for yeah. like who can get it yeah. and when or whatever they certainly didn't require proof of vaccination to attend. That's Otacon. true too. And there were definitely right. anti-vaxxers that were there. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I think with that in place, and then just the fact that like so many people just they want to go to a convention, they want to like they want to chill and do nerdy shit, and like this is this is the time, and everyone was like ready and excited, and like uh, I think I think there were like. They, as in the, the, the con runners, uh, they weren't expecting like this, even though, like, they did, nah. like, sell out, like, completely, like, all the tickets, right? Yeah. All the, all the passes. They did. So, I think it's about time uh, we expand and, like, use the rest of the, the Javits Center, because, <laughs> holy <laughs> shit. Yes, yes. It's about time. They there were way to too many people the in there. the rest of the exhibit floor. They can't just use just half of it. It's crazy, because, like, 
part of why we really enjoyed Anime Went YC before was the fact that, like, oh, it's a, it's a small, chill con. We can just hang out with friends here and shit. And then, like, now it's like, oh, did someone say anime? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, every, everyone's it's just swarming in. I, I, I kind of yeah, wonder... Yeah, has certainly grown. I kind of wonder if that is just, like, as you said, because this was, like, the first major con a lot of people could get to. Because, like, by this time of year, mm-hmm. usually you're probably... I won't... Well, I won't say conned out, but, like, I guess close to it, because it's November. So most people, maybe a lot of people who would have went to... Who would have probably passed on this before would have already been to several other cons. It's like, ah, it's that one that's so close to the, the holidays as is, so... But right. and now there's this year where it's like, I haven't been to a con all day. And it's just like, you're hyped to do something, <laughs> you know, so. That and the fact that this being late in the year at a point, as Marion was mentioning before, where more people have been vaccinated and more people are feeling confident that the COVID situation is being handled and there is less risk of infection if you're vaccinated. I think that, you know, encouraged more people to attend the con, to feel confident about going to the con. Which is why, despite being in the midst of the pandemic still, Anime NYC's attendance this year was about 53,000, 7,000 more than their previous attendance number in 2019, which was only 46,000. And uh, quite a remarkable growth, a 33% growth from the 2018 attendance number of 36,000. And boy, was it palpable when you went to the food courts. <laughs> true. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> well, the lines were just snaking around. <laughs> food court line? I mean, the line for the food court itself, I didn't feel it was like that bad. At least maybe my experience is skewed because I dealt with New York Comic Con. Oh, no. I just meant like the sheer volume of people in there, like either standing or right. eating or sitting down. No, definitely. I mean, the big line will probably reference is the line for the One Piece a thousand episode screening. Can we that even call crazy. that a line? Which was chaos. There's just people was... like <laughs> clustered together at the entrance to the panel hall, and then a winding line that extended far into the halls of the food court and beyond. And if people were lining up for that event for uh, five hours, people started lining up five hours in advance of it, which was ridiculous because there was a Crunchyroll podcast panel in that room before the One Piece panel. So you were lining up before the the previous panel was even getting done, even started. Mm-hmm. It was just ridiculous amount of hype and people like starting a line that made it really difficult for people to enter who wanted to go to the other events which were not as well attended there was plenty of rooms a lot of those other panel rooms for people who wanted to go to those and it's such a big problem because of the location of where they had the panel hall it's like it's right in front it's a small space right in front of the elevators yeah so you have that problem <laughs> with people who want to come down and up the elevators you're blocking their path and then it's such a small checkpoint to get into this narrow space. You have like two back checks. And so very easily the people who are supposed to screen people's bags before letting them in, 
You know, they're getting overwhelmed. And with more and more crap, more and more people attacking over each other, you know, it just became so hard to communicate and direct the crowds. I mean, this is the trouble we had when getting into the J-Novel panel on Saturday, which that was at 6.30. The One Piece thing was until 9. But there is still so much crowd already because of that and because of the other big events that were in that panel space. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were waiting a long time to just get to that line and we have to basically kind of lie and say we are going to a different event. They yeah, were yeah. asking people about yeah, letting them It was through. crunchy cast, which I mean, they should have just said, hey, if you're going to any of the panels that are going on now, come in. Yeah, like they should have had a... The whole One Piece thing is something they really didn't plan enough for. They should have probably anticipated that that event would have such a big draw it probably should have been a main event salt thing and they should have also planned to have like a dedicated like line wait area for people who are like waiting in line to get into an event that is not the immediate event that's going to be in the panel room and going back to like expanding like the just con area to use the entirety of the Japanese center this would be something that'd be easily solved if they did do that because there is a room on the right side of the Japanese center that they use for new york comic-con though oh, there's a big space like they barely even use half of that floor space because yeah. but yeah like, you remember like a- the main event's uh, room for New York Comic Con, right? Where it's like just this giant, like wide open space, yeah. and it's just one room, like in the distance. Yeah, I mean, with how the floors work, like they're they're easily, you know, adjustable, so that you can set up whatever you need to in those spaces. And so, basically, what they need to do is they need to use the exhibition halls. So, like, what they have used for the panel room for Anime NYC is Hall 1E. And that's, like, the smaller hall space directly in front of the elevators. Well, there's elevators in front of all the hall spaces, but it's, like, very close to the front. And it's a small, way smaller space than the other exhibition halls. And New York Comic Con uses those exhibition halls to put their, you know, artist alley and uh, dealer's rooms in, in addition to using one of them for the panel space and autograph queue and stuff. So, they yeah, they should just use those exhibition halls. They should set the panels area in one of the halls. They could have, like, dealers or... Uh, autographs or Arzelli occupy another one of those halls. Like, that's a, it's just big space that they could use to accommodate and just create bigger panel rooms in general. Like, create yeah. big, bigger panel rooms to allow for more attendees to attend them. Because clearly there's demand there, like, for a lot of events. Like, that Lupin event that was also on Saturday was, had a huge crazy line. Oh my god. That crowded the entire interior of the hallway space for the hall for the panel halls and we were it was the room that they had lupon in was the smallest room of all the panel rooms uh, in that hall space like it's it was big it was panel room four which is bigger than five and six but really small compared to like the other panel rooms so that actually they should have anticipated that should have been like at least a panel one room event 
which it's cool to see Lupin is that well in demand, but like most certainly there was three times as many people who want to get into that screening that actually did <laughs> who was waiting in line in that crazy winding line they also really should have capped that earlier because like, they, yeah oh. sure they really should have capped that earlier and <laughs> realized that okay definitely you're not be able to accommodate all these people in this space i mean with one piece at the very least they were able to use two other panel rooms to get as many people as possible to wanted to watch that to watch that but even then, of course, like not everyone who wanted to and waited in line to go to One Piece got in. But Lupin had uh, that similar problem. They weren't able to give other panel rooms for people who wanted to see that. So, yeah, they, they probably should look into and evaluate, okay, here are some things that are probably going to have some really big demand. You should probably give these, you know, bigger spaces next time. Like, I think the next time they do a Lupin screening, they'll put that in a bigger space after this experience. And most certainly, if there's ever anything like the One Piece 1000 screening, they have to put that in a a main event or a way bigger panel room. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Saturday was such a... I don't want to call it a shit show, but, like, towards the end, it really was. Because there were just so many, like, programs that, like, okay, so... They had the Love Live performance. They had the mm-hmm. fuck. What was the other really big thing? The Lupin. That they, I think they were like right next to each other, and they had like people lining up. The and Love like, Live work. thing was at like six thirty, and 6:30? that was a ticketed event. It was a ticketed like, event that had like you know wristbands and stuff. Like they had to call out people. Hey, if you're here for Love Live, come yeah. to the top of the line. So people are like fighting through the line. People that had they were they were like like barred behind from like the top of the escalator that they had to come down. It yeah. was crazy. It was nuts, yeah, because they weren't letting people down those escalators at a certain point, even though there were people who were trying to get down there for that Love Live event and had the wristbands for it. So there's just like a big communication confusion thing yeah, that was I going feel like, on. I feel like they might have been a little understaffed to like... They most certainly were. Yeah. They weren't prepared, I, I don't think, because this is their biggest turnout that they've ever had, and... I think they have seen that the previous accommodations they had set out for themselves for the con uh, are no longer sufficient to accumulate accommodate the crowd that right. was there. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Love Live and Crunchy Cast all at the same time. That was so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, especially because, like, literally, like, a half hour before I, I met up with Tim. Tim Liu, the the Crunchy Cast like host or whatever, or like he was in on the yeah. on the panel, <laughs> and he's just like, oh shit, bro, I, I gotta I gotta kill time. I'm I'm waiting for for Toei to send me the goods. <laughs> oh apparently. yeah, <laughs> you told us about this. Oh. Like apparently Toei was late in delivering the files for the One Piece screening, which would have been such a disaster. They were just waiting like last, like they were. It was like last minute that they they were gonna send it over or whatever. I guess to like prevent Jeez. leaks or some some yeah. shit. I don't know. That makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. But what? How stressful, especially when you have like so many people who are like <laughs> clamoring to see this thing that they're crowding the halls. It's just right. It's a total breakdown of the line at the very tip of it. It was much too big to but. be called a line. <laughs> it was bigger. Uh, it was too big, too thick, too heavy, too rough. 
There's like a large <laughs> <Literally> a blob <laughs> of individuals <laughs> shaped in a long stick. <laughs> I mean, at least for the people who did get into the One Piece event, they seemed to really enjoy it. I saw the clips of people like excited about episode a thousand excited for the One Piece film red singing trailer. we are singing we are yeah with the recreation of the opening of the episode. So, oh my favorite was when when we got back to the hotel and someone had already made like a fucking like a One Piece rap version with the new the opening animation of We Are. Oh no. <laughs> oh yeah. It was like instant. Like that someone did that in like thirty minutes. It was <laughs> yeah, incredible. that was Obby from the cartoon Cypher. They took the new rap that was created by the original artist, uh the original performer of the One Piece rap. He made a like new version with all the strides, and so he edited that song together with the opening. So yeah, it's a really great cut in <laughs> the show notes. It's a lot of fun to watch. But yeah. So we got into a lot of like craziness. We didn't even talk about. We sort of glossed over the line to just get into the con, which on Friday was bad enough that you guys didn't even like get in until like after the comic event. So like two p.m., three p.m. Right. Uh, it was like yeah. two. Yeah. It was almost three p.m. Two thirty-ish. Almost or three. So. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. comic started too, so you guys got in. We After were that. in there all we alone. There. Yeah. Because you abandoned yeah, us, so you so bastard. I mean, you guys didn't <laughs> even uh, have the worst of it, though, because there were people who were waiting in that line just to get in for four hours. Yeah, I was uh, there for like four two hours. So I got there, I got to the venue, and uh, I uh, I basically texted you all. I was like, hey, I'm here. Whoa, this line, what the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I saw like the stairs uh that to get into like the I guess like the northernmost part in the courtyard downstairs where we were actually at for like the second half of the waiting. I could have literally just like wound on those stairs and just like cut the line or whatever. And but and we did cut the line a, a couple times just because I was yeah, like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we kinda like I was like, alright, I was like we kind of empty like, our way I'll, through the I'll, line. I'll, I'm like, I'll finesse it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and uh, and I did, and it was worth it. I'm not going to sit in the fucking line for four hours. That's insane, man. I mean, you still have to deal with two. I mean, Lord and I got there a little before ten. Ten is when the con started on Friday, ten a.m. And it took us until about eleven thirty-ish to get in. So yeah, give or take. And you're pressed there for an hour and a half. Yeah, but I mean, so we should clarify that the part of the reason there were such huge lines to get into the con on Friday and Saturday especially was because every attendee of the con needed to pick up a wristband, an orange wristband that showed their proof of vaccination. Basically, when you show your proof of vaccination to a staff member, they'll give you a wristband that was durable, it was plastic, you could wear it for all three days, it was waterproof and everything. So you wear it all three days and you don't need to sh- you know, show your proof of vaccination again. It, that wristband is basically your proof that, yeah, you're vaccinated, you can get into the Javits Center. But you're not allowed to get into the Javits Center until you have that wristband. And of course there were scalpers, I heard, that were 
uh, illegally selling those wristbands to you, which sucked, but Wait, what? for the what? most part, people <laughs> were... That's a whole plot! Like, what? <laughs> Maybe that's how Omnicron <laughs> happened. Maybe, yeah, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah. No, I mean, there's always scalpers for these cons, selling badges and wristbands and tickets to all but sorts of things. fucking COVID wristbands. Yeah, I don't That's know That's, like, scummy as heck. It is, but unfortunately, there were scalpers. I have, I have heard people mm. talk about that were doing that. Mm. But, yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> so that's the problem, though, is that, you know, just to get into the center, before you could get into the center, you need to get that wristband but the line to get into the Javits Center, the line for the wristband was basically the same on Friday. And with not much delineation. So even if you had picked up your thing on Thursday, you know, it'd still take you a really long time to get into the center because the line was just all one the same. They did yeah. not delineate between people who already had their wristbands and people who were trying to get their wristbands. There was also a lot of people who were trying to pick up badges at the convention center itself which is another issue that's why on saturday they stratified the line into kind of a three-tiered system of people who have their wristbands people who have their badge but not their wristbands and then people who need both bad and wristband and so they very you know quickly they evaluated what had happened on friday and realized okay we need to have different line stratifications to smooth this process out and then we need to have more spaces to allow people in and more designated areas for people to line up in so they planned that for saturday and that worked decently enough for sunday but it still didn't work perfectly because it still took hours for a lot of people who didn't have those wristbands to get in and so yeah it was just a really complicated mess that was exacerbated by how many people were attending and then the fact that you needed that wristband as an extra thing to get in and there was whole line confusion of like where you need to go right. like if you have certain things and if you don't have certain things. yeah on the Which first stage there was also like a, a lack of communication to press about like the fact that there was an actual press entrance. Yeah, we didn't know there was a press entrance on Friday. Otherwise, we would have gone to Yeah, because, like, Friday night, they were like, oh, yeah, guys, there's a press entrance. Here's how you go through the press entrance. And I'm like, yeah. I feel like you guys probably should have said this to us, like, the day before. Yeah. I mean, we should have probably just walked to the uh, front doors and then looked to see if there was something. Yeah, but, yeah they did not email us as press to let us know yeah there is a press entrance for you you don't have to go through the same it did make uh saturday and sunday easier though because yeah. then uh me and lum and baby marion could sneak in <laughs> yeah i mean you did we you could get marion and Street. you did, did oh, abandon marion that friday though like it was jekka and i that waited with marion even though we picked up our covid like wristbands wednesday and thursday respectively <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered too much because, as you said, the line was the same. But, like, V-Lord was like, oh, well, you know, we're already in, so we're not going to come back yeah, for you. Yeah, we're, like, we're already <laughs> in. We're not going to get out and wait I out. Mean, okay, okay. Sakaki, okay, so 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 unlike you, I'm not a line masochist. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I just, I'm not a line masochist. I just like my friends. That's all. <laughs> but, no, like, I, I, I mean, I totally get it, though. Like, if I was already inside, I would have, mm, but, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered, like you said. Even if we had been able to get there sooner, we would have still had to wait since there was one line for everything. Eventually, like, they did start to split it, and that's how we got in a little bit faster. Because I imagine if they hadn't, we would have probably been out there maybe another hour. So, 
Yeah. Nah, nah. We were by the time that they were splitting up the lines, we were literally like zooming. We we skipped like four sections of line <laughs> in like three seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those entry lines for the con were havoc and you know, we didn't see the worst of it personally. Like we didn't have to have a four hour wait experience. Uh, like on Friday by three PM there was like a huge breakdown of the line because people were so impatient to get in because they half of the day had been gone in the line. Half of the days worked at events in the Javits Center at the con for the day. So understandably people were like just antsy to let we don't want to waste the rest of this day. So yeah, no, it's unfortunate. The anyway, NYC like did issue a statement about like how they're going to do better next year. You know, they don't want to be known as a line con. Unfortunately for them, that's not even the worst of their problems. Is they're going to be known for something else because in addition to the problems with the line, uh, there were also problems in the entire fact that there were so many people in the con center, and you know. Cons are risky proposition to have so many people close together uh, during the pandemic times. And of course, you know, there wasn't really any attempt at social distancing. Uh, so it was a little claustrophobic. Like a lot of people were crammed together in the exhibit hall, artist alley dealer's room, especially. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the artist alley, especially, was just such a trial to walk through. It was so congested with people. You cannot get through without like bumping into people or trying to squirm and slide your way past other people. It was just so crowded. Uh, and unfortunately, the crowdedness is a risky thing for the spread of uh, of a transmittable uh, disease, as it will. So, you know, unfortunately, there has been been news uh, that someone who attended the con did indeed receive uh, COVID, not just, you know, any variant of COVID, but the new Omicron variant. And even more unfortunately for a real enemy, that person is a Minnesotan who lives in Annapin County. So that is not fun to know that someone who had Omicron got infected at the con and came back to your state and your county. Well, luckily I live in Dakota County, but real lord. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hennepin County is like where like 20% of Minnesotans live. So like, it's not not good that like the guy lives in like probably one of the most densely populated counties in the state. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of annoying that they didn't just say what part of Hennepin County, because like Hennepin County can basically mean anything. It's it's fairly big. But this guy, he must have been, you know, infected with Omicron even before, or else his symptoms popped up really quickly because he reported symptoms on November 22nd. The con ran from 19th to 21st, and so the 22nd, this guy reported symptoms. He got tested on the 24th. He, his symptoms have resolved, but at the con, he met with at least 35 people, and at least 17 of them have been confirmed to have been infected and have gotten COVID. We don't know how many of those people have Omicron specifically, but, you know, message from the government is basically, uh, we're expecting a lot of COVID to have spread out of this con and out of uh, this individual meeting 
people at the con because he was traveling around a lot of different places, not just the con in NYC. So, yeah, they're starting a big trace of who got in contact with this guy and got in contact with the people he got in contact with and try and figure out, like, how many people got infected with COVID and how many of those affected got the Omicron variant. So, it's a stressful thing. It was something that... It's super unfortunate because Omicron as like a variant was only just like really kind of reported as a concern on November 9th. That was like the first like known sample was discovered. And then it was only really reported to like the world at large on the 24th. So, you know, going into the con, no one would have predicted, you know, the Omicron variant would be a concern, but alas, unfortunately, it is, and now there's potential that a lot of people have been infected by it, infected just with COVID in general. Uh, Luckily, a lot of mutuals of ours, and then all of us here on the podcast, you know, we got tested, and we don't have COVID. Uh, We've been feeling no symptoms, so that is a relief, but yeah, it just goes to show that you know, as much as uh, we tried to play it safe, there's always going to be that risk factor. And the bright side is that for people who are vaccinated, at the very least, Omicron has not been reported to be any more deadly or serious in terms of symptoms than other COVID variants. But it still is a huge health risk and a huge, you know, risk to people who are like uh, immunocompromised and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I mean, I think this will be. This is some pretty bad press for Anime NYC uh, to come out of, to be reported like on, you know, the news uh, from official government statements and sources about like someone who attended your god got Omicron, like the first known case in the U.S. and it spread it around. The super spreader con. Yeah, well, not the first, second case known in the U.S., but still, it's a uh, big. Big deal, and uh, it's an unfortunate deal. That's rough. So this might this puts a hamper on probably future con plans, perhaps. I mean, there's still cons that have already been going on in, right now, but who knows? Like if the COVID situation worsens, if the spread of Omicron and other variants worsen, that might put cons more at risk next year. But yeah, it it's a pretty messy. Stressful situation. Like, I definitely was stressed out after seeing this news reported just early last week, basically at the time I was recording. Like, basically the beginning of December. And then I was like, oh no, I gotta, I'm super stressed. I gotta get tested uh, to make sure I'm safe. Like, I, I had uh, my one of my aunts, like, texting me, like, and was worried because, you know, she knew I probably went to the con and also that I was a Minnesota resident. So, you know, there's a lot of concern. But, you know, I mean, hopefully, best case scenario, you know, we don't have any, like, super serious cases of this, of people who have gotten COVID and gotten the variant, then uh, the spread can be controlled and mitigated. But uh, it, it shows that holding Hans in this time, even as we're on the cusp of getting everyone vaccinated and controlling the spread of the pandemic it's still eh, we still aren't clear yet and so we should still be a little more careful yeah yeah i'm glad we're all safe at least 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know if we have anyone else has anything more to add to that. You learned. Don't go to a con if you aren't feeling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't so know that he was not oh feeling God. well when he attended, but the fact that he developed the symptoms on the twenty second certainly was a good sign that uh, he maybe shouldn't have gone. But I don't know. We can't judge this guy too much. I don't. We don't know his full story. Yeah. But alas, uh, you know, we just are not out of the pandemic yet. Yeah, as much that's as, what as I was about we've to say. been hoping, we we can keep. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of um, copium going on out there, but we're still in the middle of this. So, I mean, I I wouldn't want to see like I definitely wouldn't want to say that we should go back to the dark ages where there are no cons at all. But like, hopefully that you know going forward it can be managed a little better. But I know at the same time you can't curta- absolutely you can't curtail free will. So, I think that. And I mean, he could have done better to try and allow for people to have social distancing in some areas, but obviously, being a con, what it is, you know, it's hard to do, especially in exhibitor halls or artist alley, which was probably like the biggest places where people were being concentrated. I feel at least, but you know, yeah. it's it's a difficult thing to, to manage and account for, and I, it's going to be up to every individual person to weigh the risks of like attending a con uh in when you know covid is still out there and when we haven't quite met you know stopped the development of new variants of it or like controlled like it spreads through vaccinations and stuff like that like completely so mm-hmm. you know i mean well, I mean, worst case scenario, unfortunately, with COVID is that it'll, it'll last for a long time. It'll take for a long time for us to be free of it. It'll be like in the new South Park special where they have only <laughs> just beat COVID after 40 years, but then, oh no, a new variant immediately pops up. Oh, yeah. So hopefully yep. we don't have that kind of situation. It might be like the flu where we have to get a new uh, vaccination every year or something, but, you know, we'll see. At least we'll always have Colton Con. <laughs> well, yeah. But, yeah, not much more to say about that for now. But we can go back into con specifics, like specifics of, like, what we did at the con. Because for as many gregs we have about certain problems uh, with the line... And some stuff like that. There was a lot of fun stuff at the con. We had a lot of good experience generally. I think we generally came out of the con having had a good time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Overall, overall, it was pretty enjoyable. I feel like the my I think my biggest issue or or like minor complaint, I guess, is that I'm I'm the type of con go- goer that really loves programming, like panels and stuff, like going mm-hmm. to to like industry or fan panels and like uh, sitting in and just like listening to people talk about stuff but like the programming at ANYC always always feels lacking in terms of like interesting I feel like it, it, there's not enough and it it, it, it contributes I felt also the opposite I no cuz I I feel like at uh when the last couple of times I went to like Otakon or even like Anime Next mm. that was like last time I went there was like 4 5 years ago was like they they had like much more space allotted to like to like panels so like i like at any given like half hour there were like between like 15 to 20 panels going on 
and like at AMYC, it feels like I don't know, like uh, especially like towards the the end of the day, if you're not in like uh, some kind of screening or like a like a ticketed event or whatever, you have pretty like low options in terms of like what to do at at like eight p.m. or something. You either have like like on Saturday it was like oh you have like the crunchy cast or I think that was I think that was like the last thing because uh, everything else was like like an an event oh. or screening for something. Well, we didn't go to it, but Kadansha had a what's in a ma- manga magazine panel like later that night, and then there was one about Japanese tea ceremonies, about like you know funding independent art projects. Uh, there are a lot of panels uh, towards the end of that night beyond just the screening ones. Let me see. I, I feel like there were actually a lot of uh, panel choices that I was pretty keen on. And the fact that, you know, there was definitely uh, a lot of choices to be made about, like, where what I wanted to attend and uh, didn't. Like, So I, I was actually quite happy with uh, the panels uh, availability this year because I thought there was a good variety of industry a fan a voice actor and screening panels and i will say that uh i i guess one thing i will note though when it comes to the industry side is that you know some of the big heavy hitters uh notably like viz did not have like a industry panel this year i don't know you know so viz had no presence like real presence and NYC not in the dealers hall which is uh, I think a huge missed opportunity because the vendors that did come to the dealers hall this year Denpa and Yen and Jane Novel Club they all basically sold out by the end of the weekend uh, they made some good business over the con this year uh, all everyone who attended so yeah, I mean, people were voraciously uh, buying things at the con, and so, like, if you were a vendor there uh, from the big from the publisher side, like, you were doing really well. Like, so uh, I think that Riz missed out a little bit there. You know, they went to New York Comic Con the previous month. I guess maybe they felt that that was enough for them, but yeah, I think they could have done good business here. Though that probably also worsened the crowding in the area around their their boot, as it always does, but. Yeah, no. I felt, though, that a lot of the publishers, uh, a lot of manga licensors came out this year, and they all had panels. So V-Lord and I were pretty busy with them for the entire weekend, I think. Like, we had Yen Press, we had Kadansha, we mm-hmm. had Comic-E, and we had Denpa. And, I mean, Comic-E and Denpa is kind of where it starts for us on Friday. Comic-E was the first panel we attended, and even before that, though, the Denpa boot was the first place in the exhibitor's hall that we attended. And at the Denpa boot, we got some cool exclusives, the Shizu Asimi one-shot exclusives, and then the uh, Kaiji shirt and sweater, and then the Pampania tote bag, which is one of only ten that they were selling there. Uh, there were 100 made, but they only had 10 left that they were selling at the con. So that was cool. And then uh, that was like the first place we went through there. And, but yeah, the Comic-Key panel, you know, was an interesting one. Because uh, they they went through like kind of their founding. They went through like kind of their process working with their localization team. And of course, they announced a bunch of titles. We networked with... The uh, project manager, Comic-Key, 
afterward and you know we exchange cards and kind of set up tentative plans to talk to them more in the future i will say that i guess our impressions of comicky are dimmed and hampered quite significantly by news that came out right after the con because they i mentioned to us during the con that they had like this big thing that they have in the works they're getting a lot of new titles and so like right after the con was over they put out a tweet on Twitter, basically, we're like asking, "Hey, we have like sixty plus titles that we want to do launch the launch of January. We're looking for like new uh, letterers for them and translators for them. And so, if you're interested, in apply." And then, you know, folks who did inquire, uh, unfortunately, found out that their rates are pretty bad. Pretty, it's been less than two dollars a page, yeah. far below industry standard, which is already way lower than it should be um yeah and not in that rate even is only after doing a certain amount of pages for them already and then they have this weird like tier hierarchy system of like you do x amount of pages you get a raise but you never get enough to really justify the value of your labor and that's very unfortunate now Vilo, do you have this theory that it may not it may be more their financers that are kind of setting those terms yeah, I mean, it, who knows, but, like, it could be, like, Manga Planet, where, like, say, like, their partner, like, decides, like, the mm. pricing and budget for localization, which is still also not good. Yeah. But it's, like, uh, I know Comic Key's, like, financial partners link you, mm. I believe, so, like, who knows, maybe they're setting those prices, but it's, it's not a good look. Absolutely not. It's something that, uh, you know, if we do talk to them in the future, we'll definitely need to, you know, ask some serious questions about, uh, especially considering their background. Well, let's, uh, I'll say that these guys, the founders of Common Key, have had a history in Scanlation, let's say. They okay, have a history fair. in Scanlation, and they have this, they describe, like, their efforts to kind of, you know, go legit through Common Key as akin to, like, what Country World is doing. That's the impression that publishers that they've been working with half of them is that they're old they're like the a next kind of country world type story country world type entity so you know they are doing good work in like you know working with like uh other former scanlation groups and recruiting them to go legit through the surface and like they do have you know royalty share with like the original authors which is important but at the same time, of course, you know, the rates they have for their local relation teams are just far too low, far lower than what they really should be worth. And their business model of, like, explosive growth on the backs of exploitative labor is just, uh, in the long run, unsustainable. And kind of is, like, taking the, the floor out of the industry by, like, causing, like, uh, when you cause things to fall too much, you ca- cause everything crashing down. So, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate because, like, we've seen this with a lot of newer companies getting into the game. Like, even Katakawa and, like, Kodansha Digital, where, like, the rates are really bad, but it increases the output of manga, too. And it's really unhealthy that it's going this trend of, like, we're screwing over localizers just to get out more manga. And it's such a shame because at the panel, they were, like, announcing that, hey, we're going to credit localizers at the end of every chapter now and that was met with a lot of uh, praise and you know 
people being thank- happy about that, like on social media, people like quote retweeting our tweets of that announcement. And then, of course, that was all kind of, you know, a reality checked by the next week and finding out, oh, no, the rates are really bad. So yeah. they're not really as uh, respectful to their localizers as this outward gesture may appear. Or the, and their emphasis on, like, how closely they collaborate with their localization team suggests. Which I, I'm sure they do have friendly relationships with a lot of their, you know, team. But I, I think, you know, again, the value of that work is just so much higher than what they are paying. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like most of the people that have worked with them have positive impressions. Mm. But it's like, it's the thing, because the rates are so low you're basically closing it off to most people that are doing this as their full-time job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, they no, seem like, like well-intentioned guys. I mean, they seem like friendly guys. Like, we talked to them, we, we established, like, a good kind of rapport conversation with them after the panel. And, you know, they even have checked out our podcast and our reviews of comic titles. So, you know, we had a conversation about that even, like, how I didn't really like Beneath the Mass so much. <laughs> they were trying to assure me that, oh, we're, we don't even, we're not even, like, the main team that does that. We subcontract that one out. And we're like, oh, my problem is not with the localization, but the content of the story itself. But don't worry about it. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like given, like, their connections with, like, you, Link you as, like, basically worked with a lot of the major publishers in Japan, which is why they're able to, like, get so many of these titles. I don't think Comic Key's, like, gonna fail by any means. No. They've already picked up a lot of big titles. But if they're gonna keep continuing picking stuff up, I really hope they improve those rates. It certainly makes sense that they have now acquired a huge batch from a certain publisher that is also infamously known for wanting to put out a volume of titles rapidly through like very quick uh, localization services that are done on the cheap yeah well to talk about a, a different publisher that you know they didn't have like a they had some big announcements actually maybe not for their Dempa line specifically but you know Dempa books and was going over like progress updates for their upcoming releases for 2022. Basically everything. <laughs> Which everything basically... Well, not everything is delayed. There are some some stuff that is finally, you know, that has been on the back burner for a long time that is finally coming out. Family of Family Volume 4 is coming. Kaiji 3. Kaiji 3 and Volume 5 is currently being lettered. The next one of Heavenly Illusion, which I believe is Volume 4 or 5, that's going to come out in February. Pleasure and Corruption is doing really well for them. It's like the third best-selling title. Girl with the Sampaku Eyes. Now it's the third printing. Uh, the Oshimi series, I don't know that they sold out of them at the con. They only had 500 each of them. Yeah. But the leftovers, uh, they'll probably be sold online. If they they also gave a good chunk of them to Kino Kunia. Yeah, and yeah. at the end of the con, when Mary and I went over there, they saw a giant stack of them. Okay, so yeah, we might see some of those be sold online or sold through Kinikunia in the future. 
Oh man, the big uh, one of the big updates was Menu Created Gundam was completely done, but it is being held up by Sunrise, who is taking their sweet time reviewing it, and Ed was very audibly <laughs> frustrated by that. Thanks, Sunrise. Love ya. Another delay <laughs> is the next Rampanya book, Goya Banahade, that will come out closer to Fall 2022. Oh, and I really want that. Yeah. I've been well, waiting so long. Vampires is coming uh, pretty soon, it seems. Uh, it missed like the fall 2021 release date, but it, it's coming pretty soon. Under Ninja is in the editorial process. It, this one's going to be doing a new printer for them in Hong Kong, so that'll come out late spring. Day were 11 is, you know, a big Difficulty to work on. That's going to come out probably closer to winter trying to shoot into. Big update for March comes in on like a line. It got a lot of, you know, applause from the audience, but unfortunately, uh, they're having trouble finding a translator because there's a lot of hardcore strobe terminology and I guess like essays or explanatory things in it. So they're, they're having trouble finding a, a translator who is well worse than that to work mm. on it. And there's also no digital files so the localization. Yeah. Even more difficult to do. Yeah, the nightmare like they're having with like they were eleven in March like seems very, very bad situation to be in. Because like yeah. they're going through like individual like plates and yeah. having to like remake the pages. And think about what they have to do with the lettering for those too if they don't have digital files. Yeah, you have to like <laughs> it'll be the very old it. style of like hand drawn lettering. Well, I think you have to scan it in. Yeah, yeah, you can scan it in, do a digital. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest news is that they have kind of completely owned. They now fully run their BL sister company Kuma Pub, so that gives that company bitter access to distributors and publishers and so they're going to up their release rate from two books to eight so they announced a lot of new titles uh through that label that'll come out next year some of them were already out uh, or they were announced and they were available to buy like right at the con namely song of joy and also you're on my happiness and then they concluded kind of their panel with like a, a big announcement that, you know, through Faku, they are publishing the very popular BDSM manga Nana and Karu in Studio One Omnibuses, a very acclaimed series of actually a genuinely good look at a BDSM relationship and the kink and practice. So that's that one uh, a lot of people are excited for, and it's one that, you know, the reputation precedes it. I have checked out that it is very good. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that one finally coming out next fall. And then Ed ended off the panel with a bunch of talk about the supply chain. It's like, you know, a lot of people are up in terms of, like, sales growth. But, like, you know, there's, uh, because of that, you know, printing runs have been up for some books. That's gridlock printers on a select few titles. So, like, more printers are working on fewer titles. And this has ex- been exacerbated because there are fewer printers available now because of closes due to the pandemic. And there are also delivery problems because also pandemic there's not enough truck drivers or and people to deliver these books. So all these failures and delays in the supply chain cause backups and that has contributed to the great manga shortage that has been off-reported uh, throughout 2021. Another interesting note is that, uh, you know, getting the license to Kaiji was easy, but they only really committed to it because they can just do it arc by arc. So if they had to do the entire thing, uh, they have to commit to the entire thing, they probably wouldn't do it because they can do it arc by arc. They Mm -hmm. were more Reddit receptive to doing that. And unfortunately, Squid Game has not, like, upped, like, sales much from consumers but as far as pitching the series to retailers it has helped and convince uh, them to take more units so 
yeah, those were that was some interesting stuff from the Denpa panel to recap. Uh, and overall, yeah, I think they had some good updates and announcements. Yeah, I love how Frank Ed is during them usually. He's yeah, just like, yeah. yeah, this is what's going on with each book. No, he's very blunt and uh, no monster in space of business, which I really appreciate. Yeah. He has a lot of fascinating insights uh, and perspectives on the industry. And honestly, I would love to interview him about more of the supply chain issues and just the state of the industry in general in the future. Maybe we can make that happen. But yeah, no, if you have a chance to attend any one of uh, Ed's panels, like they're always incredibly informative. Uh, and then the other like big panel that we did on Friday was Inside the Manga Industry, which was a panel that was done by different uh, localizers and artists from various publishers. Like we had Mark Devera from Yen, we had Nicholas Draper Ivy from DC Comics, and Koyuki Panda, who does um, is an independent like manga artist and illustrator. And uh, yeah, so we also had uh, Julian Robinson, who is like the designer of like a ton of books uh, for Viz in particular, like made us so many logos. The awesome chainsaw, like the chainsaw man logo. Yeah, he made the chainsaw man logo. He made the My Hero Academia logo. He made the Yashihime logo. He like he Komi logo. He's done a ton. And then uh, Johnny Oloye is like the editor of a lot of uh, Kadansha vertical books, like uh, Ghost and Lady from Fujita, like he did. He did Alita. Oh, she talked yes. about so, good books. Yeah. So it was a really cool panel. Just, uh, it was basically like, you know, kind of uh, going through like their different paths to getting into the industry, talking about like what advice they'd give their younger selves, like how to kind of transition from different professions to working in the industry, thoughts on like working in Japan versus the US. So it was basically like a full on like QA type you know, back and forth with the audience. And we had a lot of, like, kind of prospective artists who want to, like, create their own manga and we, who had questions for Kiyuki and Nicholas in particular. And we had a lot of people who, like, really wanted to get into the industry side and a lot of questions for Mark and uh, Johnny in particular. So it was a really cool panel to have, like, different perspectives from, like, people who are working in different places in the industry to, you know, provide their perspectives. And I certainly appreciate their comments on art school. Like, yeah, you know, if you're an artist, uh, art school is not worthwhile, it's not super worthwhile if you already have the skills to do what you need to do and you can create a big before on your own. If you have room to grow, go there. Uh, but otherwise, like, you know, avoid art schools that'll just waste your time and then they dug a scad in particular which is pretty great so yeah scad notoriously is uh is one of them <laughs> pretty exploitative school i remember like they used to do like a super large scholarship when you applied right i didn't get a large scholarship i got like kind of a i got a small scholarship but like not but you know i'm happy i went to sva over scad even though sva also has its problems yeah and, uh you know they sort of had a reckoning while I was there, and then a little after I was there, uh, especially last year. But that's a uh, that's time and place for another day. My takeaway from that panel was that I got the right degree. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's another thing is that they recommend honestly going to school for business degrees so that you kind of know how to market your work, that you know how to like read a contract, read a contract, all the legal stuff that goes into being a uh, artist. Like, both independently and working with publishers, like, knowing your rights and knowing, like, 
where you stand on the business side. So honestly, that is a very good recommendation. It makes sense too that I think about because even when I was in my undergrad for business, there were actually quite a few people that were trying to go into like entertainment roles through a business degree. Mm. So I guess it's becoming a more common thing. Plus, yeah, like regardless of what degree you get in business school, you go through cases where you're learning about contracts and like business ethics and all that so that you can know what BS companies will throw at you. Yeah, they had a lot of really great advice. And of course, I detailed as much of it as possible in my tread on the panel. And my treads on all the panels that we attended will be available in the show notes, uh, which will describe in greater detail everything that we talk about here on this podcast. But I want to turn the talk on Friday panels and uh, experiences over to you guys. Like, what did you, what else did you guys get up to on Friday? Uh, y'all could go first. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting in line for hours. I mean, that. basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, like, one other thing I can mention while you guys think about is, um, we did run into Tomotron from Kodansha. Oh, we got, we ran into him right after the comic panel. And he, yeah. before going to Kani, he mentioned that he had something for you, and that he did. Yeah, he had uh, Emma Dreams of Stars, the yeah. manga, which my review of will definitely be out by the time this podcast is out. So, uh, so yeah, um, yeah, it's always cool seeing Tomo. Uh, yeah. He is a really awesome person, and I honestly owe him a lot. He was, like, one of the first, like, people in the industry to really, like, build a professional relationship with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really awesome seeing him at a con. Seems to be doing well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have fun convo with him. We, it's unfortunate that we were not able to live up to his uh, his expectation of uh, going to the Kadansha <laughs> panel. Which I kind of wish I did, because they announced Shaman King and Gordon. But you'd have missed Pompo. Yeah, true. So, I, I don't uh, think you, you, you know. Yeah, Kadansha's doing good stuff, though. They yeah. license more Shaman King, so that's always a win. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um... Basically, when I got into the con itself, I, I joined you guys for the the Dempa panel. Uh, that was fun. I think um, I think my highlight of that is the uh, shit. I forgot what it was called. The very last title that they announced with Kara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. I was like, whoa, shit, because I, I I mildly recognized it because of the the artist. I'm familiar with his work and his more independent side of the business <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like i thought that was really cool Dempa in general is really interesting to to see as like a are they are they considered like an indie publisher yeah they're not owned by a larger publisher so they are independent yeah so yeah it, it's cool i uh, seeing like what they're like working relationship as well with their sister company faku and like what they bring to the table mm-hmm. I, I, it's always interesting seeing what uh they have to bring after that i think i mostly wandered around like the dealer's room in artist alley and then uh later on we 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 linked up again to go to the inside the industry panel which i also had a lot of fun with in particular hearing about like jr's experience uh julian robinson and like uh getting like designer design work and and like how his work at biz now involves like the collaborations with stuff like highland or Getting to like design like Blu-ray and DVD covers and stuff like that is interesting to me. Uh, the way that mm. basically there are creative jobs available in the industry that don't 
involve directly making the content being consumed. As in, like, you don't have to make manga to have, like, a creative job in the manga industry. I thought that was, like, a very, very uh, enlightening comment uh, that I never really yeah. thought about in that sense. Uh, and I, I feel like it's it's good for people to consider, um, especially because there's so many people who want to, like, kind of, like, join the industry and, like, get, get like, a working position in something that they really enjoy. So, like, the, the options available to you are more expansive than you think. I think that's a really heartening message. Absolutely. Besides that, I don't remember much else from Friday specifically. I had a lot of fun just, like, browsing all of the the artist uh, alley stuff and, like, the, the dealer's room. Uh, like, yeah, there were there were a lot of people, but I think on Friday it was a little less congested. And I was able to, like, my favorite thing to do is literally, like, go, like, in, like, a trailing, like, S-shape around, like, every aisle. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just, like, see what, what, what is, uh, what is in, like, what is the best thing, what is, the, like, the, the most popular thing to make fan art of right now? Uh, yeah. Spoilers, it's Genshin. Uh, <laughs> Genshin Impact has, like, the biggest impact in general, like, I I did not realize, like, okay, yeah, this is a very popular game. Like, hundreds of millions of people play it. But, like, I I never, like, talk about it. Most of my friends, like, I have friends who play it and enjoy it and talk about it. But, like, they have their own bubbles. And I I have, like, no no awareness of, like, what's going on there. But, like, the sheer amount of, like, cosplay, the booths themselves that... uh the the owner company or whatever had or whatever the fact that Genshin Impact Wi-Fi was better than the Javits Center Wi-Fi like blew yeah. my fucking mind. Mihoyo is our true over. <laughs> no, really, the, that Mihoyo Wi-Fi was a lifesaver. Dude, it's literally called like Genshin Genshin Impact Wi-Fi on on like the yeah. when you when you search it and find it on your phone or whatever. Now that's great advertising. Holy Honestly. shit! Yeah, yeah. They gave me Wi-Fi where we could now have to play the game. Now that's a freebie that I appreciate. Free Wi-Fi, <laughs> underrated. For real, holy shit! Java Center, get your game up. Come on. <laughs> Re- uh, rename it the Mihoyo Center. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> God, but uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I had like a personal mission. I was basically going around buying uh. Like any like Gilgamesh related stuff from Fate. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to make like an Eda bag or something. But like, uh, maybe when I move out, I'll just make like a shrine or something. But, <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of I, I, I got a lot of like, guild stuff, and I also got a. Uh, I mainly bought like Fate and Fire Emblem stuff. It was cool seeing a lot of love for my girl Shamir from Fire Emblem Three Houses. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I got a really nice like poster size or not a poster it's like a portrait size piece of fan art that i'm definitely gonna frame eventually (laughs) uh and uh yeah i got i got a bunch of shit Uh, i also this is more like the next day but i did find a couple artists that like they also took like commissions and stuff so i partook in that as well so i spent a lot of money in fucking artist alley like Mm. 
most of the money that I didn't spend like this summer, like going out to eat or whatever, is just just went to like fucking Artist Alley this year. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't regret any of it. It was very fun, and it, it's Absolutely. cool supporting uh like local and like independent artists and stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, what I love about Artist Alley is that you know you can directly get some cool art from independent artists. And, yeah, I mean, Sakaki Jekka, like, uh, how about your Friday experience, your dealer's experiences? Uh, I know we got there kind of late. I usually like to explore the dealer's room the first day and then figure out what I want to buy on Saturday. But since we got there kind of late, and didn't get that at first. I mean, I ended up staying by myself and just kind of wandering around a bit until you guys called me back. Why did you call me back? Oh, I don't <laughs> Well, I think one uh, interesting food experience we had that was in the uh, dealer's exhibitor's hall was they had like a Japanese food hall to like the very right side of the hall space. Oh, right. Yeah. So very late, we had kind of lunch in the area. You guys all got okonomiyaki. I got Basically, some bundles. Oh, no, I, I think don't... only I got Okonomiyaki. Yeah, we oh, did. I okay, did. we learned. Yeah. Up... Oh, what do you guys get? I don't know. Did you guys eat at that? No, we didn't. Or? We didn't. Like, oh. I think you guys decided to be CJ. No. <laughs> so you guys didn't eat, huh? Oh. Yeah, no, we didn't. I didn't eat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was smart, and I I got my breakfast from my my local bodega, and uh, I had it in a bag, and I ate it on the line. <laughs> <laughs> I think every day. I mean, Wheelard and I ate basically Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast. Yeah, we had. I had a donut and then just like coffee in the morning. Yeah. That's how I kept alive. Because otherwise, I would just be a vegetable in the con. Mm, oh, true. I mean, before the con, I found the Krispy Kreme. So, I mean, but that we didn't. Jack and I went there. What? I forgot what day. We, not the last. We went there one time. Before we all went there together on the last day, but I don't remember. I think that oh, was. Nice. I think was it back at it again at Krispy Kreme. <laughs> I think it was Friday. <laughs> no, it wasn't it Friday. Was vaccination car for that free donut. V Lord and Sid went to Dunkin' Donuts, and we were like bragging about how we went to Krispy Kreme. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and V Lord's like, which I mean, Krispy Kreme is Krispy Kreme is like way better it too. Is. So, like, and I mean the. Building itself was incredible. Like I, I'm kind of surprised that out yeah. of all the times I've been in New York, I've never seen it. But then again, most times and it smells like Krispy Kreme from the outside. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the donuts <laughs> coming off like the conveyor belt and shit. It's it's great. It's fine. Yeah, man. I don't know. I've never seen it before. I think this was like the. You just never was in that area, I guess. I have been, but I I guess usually I stick to the hotel, and also I showed up two days early. <laughs> So, like, I think, yeah, because Thursday's the day I discovered it while just kind of walking around New York and waiting for Jekka to arrive. And then I was like, oh, wait, there's a Krispy Kreme. We got to go. And, yeah, so we went the next day. Wait, Sakaki, what did you even do on those two days? Like, I mean, like, I showed up Wednesday afternoon and I went to go get the COVID, like, bracelet. And it was literally I walked in (laughs) and walked out in two seconds. (laughs) <laughs> so mm-hmm. like and then like Wednesday I just came back and I just kind of chilled by myself and then Jekka came Thursday so we went back to go get hers and again it was literally we just walked in and walked out and 
Thursday night, we went looking for, we went to the Nintendo store, and I got, like, Mario Party, and she, I don't know, did you get anything? No. No, okay. No. Yeah, I got a... Wait, like, the new Mario yeah, Party? Yeah, Mario Party Superstars. Oh. So I got, I, should get I got that, so that we could play together. We should play again. We really should. We really should. I just can't for the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was actually, well, well anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, we, went, we went there, and then we went to, what, Go-Go Curry? Was that it? What was the name of that place? That we went? No, we, we... It was with the Gorilla we Dude. Around. Yeah, we were looking around. Yes. And we were looking around, and then we found Katsukuri. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's mm. what it was. We found We found that, and they were actually selling, like, a guy, when we were in there, a guy went to the counter... To buy NYC like Saturday <laughs> entry, so like yeah, that was a thing. So we did that. We went to this store, and then we like we were looking around different Japanese restaurants because we were like we wanted to get that, and then but we couldn't decide because the menus are all really confusing. <laughs> so then we went there, and then we just hung out. Then that night, we just I guess watched the anime. Then Friday, yeah, I I don't I know that you guys. Oh right, Christy. That's what it was. Because I, I was by myself, and then you guys texted me that, oh, yeah, Christy's here. She wants to see you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I went back to join you. She was at the Yen press booth? Jane Okay, She works for Jane yeah, Novel. I, I mean, I don't know these things. <laughs> I just You know, funny. I just know... <laughs> <laughs> I just know you call you guys called me over. So I don't know how many people remember this from the last AMYC podcast. So, well, to begin with, I don't know why Christy's so enthusiastic to talk to me. I'm not bad at it, but I'm just like we talked like twice. Why do you remember me? <laughs> because you're the guy. I don't know why you have that translator. I, I guess, but like it's always weird to me. Like, and I and I love her energy. I, I'm definitely like not put off by it or anything. But it's just weird because I'm like we barely talk. But she remembers me, so I'm just like, huh. So in 2018, we, you know, she saw me and we talked a little bit. And I mean, to 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 not go on too long, she thinks Jekka was my wife. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, and Jekka quickly said no. It, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> um. So, but this year, like, I I don't think she heard me, but I I, I did kind of lean into the joke and be like, yeah, we got engaged. And she was just like, oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> I think she was just kind of like, <laughs> I think she was. <laughs> I think she got that it was a joke. Yeah, okay, or that. It might have been that. By the way, you said <laughs> it. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was fun seeing her again. And she was really enthusiastic. And I, I always like, like, I like seeing her, even though I, I don't understand what I did that she remembers me. But yeah, it was, it was fun seeing her to J novel. Then I don't remember really what we did after that. I know, then we ended, we were together again and for a while. I think we spent most of Friday together, didn't we? Like everyone? I mean, yeah, that's together? what I'm saying. Everyone, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You guys also came to the Inside Magazine. Yes. Street. Yes, we were there. Yeah. We were yeah. there. Yes. We all met up for that. Yeah. yeah. We, made, we, we were cracking comments. Yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> I think we just separate us a little bit around the time that Vila and I b- took a break for lunch. Because originally we wanted to do this Jinji Aramaki final at five, but the line for dinner was the line at the food cells was just too long, but we ended up skipping that and then just doing, uh, waiting for Inside the Manga History. And in the meantime, just perusing the exhibit hall in our Sally. And, yeah. I think that basically does cover Friday. Yeah. I guess 
briefly, were there any other dealers gets you wanted to mention, V-Lord? Uh, for me, I picked up a few t-shirts. I picked up an Oron and Sashomu shirt that Friday. Uh, and the artist alley, I found like this cool, like, uh, badass Sailor Moon shirt where it's like Sailor Moon is like kind of a punk girl who will say, he says, in the name of the moon, I'll fuck you up. Like, <laughs> yes, I oh, saw yeah, that shirt. Saw that yeah. I uh, found like this cool boot called like Vintage uh, Movie Pamphlets or something. Oh, and yeah. There I got a cool uh, movie pamphlet for Yuri the final chapter. And then I got some posters for uh, Sailor Moon uh, Eternal. And I, they had the other movie pamphlets for the other Yurisayatsu films. They had a lot of cool movie pamphlets for a lot of films. But I looked uh, online. I found a good like eBay bid for the other movie pamphlets. So I, I just decided to get those off eBay instead and only got the movie five one from the boot. But there are good deals on them, about $30 each, which, you know, a lot of times these can go for a lot more online. So I was very pleased and to discover and get that. It's really cool because in these side these fantasies, you know, they give synopsis of the movie, they have character bios, they have a lot of, uh, they have a lot of cool stuff in them. Uh, even cooler if I could read Japanese, but one day I just think it's a cool like piece of memorabilia to have. I think it was the same booth that Jack and I got like a Conan movie one, like in the last AMYC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the same booth. I forgot what I know. We tweeted it on WSS TV, but I forgot what movie that was. <laughs> Um, I think it was the last was yeah the last three. wizard of the century was that it last wizard of the century yeah oh, movie nice. three yeah and then you got that, you got a couple more this I have year it somewhere yeah I remember because I remember the tweet I made for it was like we're gonna party like it's the end of the century and that was 2019 <laughs> so like yeah I remember that I made that tweet to kind of relate to the to what what, what the photos we that you took of the pamphlet. But I mean, I know you got a couple more this year, but that was Saturday, right? That was Saturday, yeah. So okay. we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that basically was all I got uh, at the exhibitors on Friday. And actually for the whole weekend, uh, I did buy some more stuff at the artist alley uh, the next two days. But actually this year I didn't buy like a, a whole lot of things, but I certainly spent still a lot of money on the few things that I did get. So Yeah, this con was probably the least money I've like ever spent at a con. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely I as far as prints go, like I was pretty strict of like only getting going to out of my way to buy from places with Eurasiasra stuff. And so, you know, of course that narrows my uh first choice places uh quite a bit. But even then, like you know, I didn't get quite as much stuff as that I, I thought I might, you know, considering my past of, like, how many prints I've gotten in previous cons. But, yeah, I mean, that's something to talk about as we go forward, though, because, yeah, I think uh, unless you have any other tops on Friday, we can go into Saturday. Our post-con thing on Friday is basically, like, you know, we left inside the mining industry. That was our last panel of the day. And then we had some tentative plans to try and do karaoke that just didn't work out for the weekend because they were just booked too late booked until midnight and jacka didn't want to do it i didn't want to do midnight you knew i wasn't gonna stay up for that forget that man it would have been tired but we had some nice uh korean food uh for dinner that night yeah that korean food was fire 
Like, what, I literally just chose the nearest Korean place to the karaoke. And we were literally across the street. And it was freaking god tier. Yeah, no, it was super Bro. good. Barnju. Yeah, Barnju 58, I think. Yeah. Bro, I had chicken parm, but Korean. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was Yeah, I got like poppin'. a spicy pork bulgogi. Yeah, like, we got Oh man, it was amazing. Yeah, I appreciate the variety of veggies and uh, alongside the meat and stuff. They, they were laid on my rice though, but uh, it was okay. Yeah. I, I got the also the the gyoza. Did they call it gyoza? They, they called it something Yeah, else, it was gyoza. Okay, but like, they were so crispy. And so stuffed. I, it was. I ended up getting like, I think like two, two more for myself. You got like three servings. Yeah, on you it. did get like yeah, three servings. Yeah, because <laughs> you ordered one and then you were like two more. Yeah. To be fair, I did share with you guys. You I did. was like, y'all, that y'all is true. Yeah. Yeah. Can confirm. But yeah. you ate good. a lot, bro. <laughs> I did. I mean, the only other thing I ate was the fucking the bacon egg and cheese. <laughs> true. That's when you know you're hanging. Yeah. Malding and hangry. There you go. Don't, you can't be both. You gotta choose one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I had chicken wings and they were amazing. Like, God. I, I almost had to stop myself from getting another one because it's just like, I, I, I will not sleep if I eat this much this late. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, so we had a good dinner and then after that we all retired to our rooms. Uh, we stayed up a little bit watching some South Park and I remember while Wheelord was finishing up his uh, press release oh. post for the G-Novel thing the next day. With that stupid but, uh, motion blur TV. <laughs> oh, yes! No, oh, oh, yeah! The motion blur. We tried to watch the Netflix Cowboy Bebop. Like, we watched the first episode, but it was just too much to deal with the motion blur on the yeah. damn. Honestly, that hotel in general is pretty mid. Not, yeah. Not the not best even, even complimentary breakfast. You know? No complimentary be- breakfast, no fridge. It's oh, like... Yeah, yeah uh, like we went back to the whole. I should have chosen the place we went in 2019. That's funny because we chose yeah. the place that we went to in 2018, and it, it felt way more mid this time. <laughs> Maybe New York hotels have just become mid. <laughs> I, I feel like we should have gone back to the one that we chose 2019, but like there was a really good sure. rate for this. There was a really good rate for this one, which is why I chose it. So I mean, it wasn't terrible. Yeah, no. It's just, it's just yeah. compared to the no, one, and if we do do it like. If we do another one, definitely go for the 2019 one because that had a buffet breakfast. It's true. <laughs> true, yeah. it did. Complimentary breakfast makes all the difference. True. Waffle I mean, makers. ours had it, but. But yeah, the line was like crazy, yeah. though, because I remember you like. Went, oh, true. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, they have a small ass room, <laughs> and then you got like 50 people trying to get in, and you're just like, what the <laughs> oh, hell? God. Yeah, it was. It was like, cr- they didn't even have pancakes this time. This was really mean. Yeah, the, the, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. The one right. in 2018 had, like, it had a thing where you could you could make your own pancakes, and that was, like, kind of the attraction the first time. <laughs> and they didn't have it this time, which was kind of a disappointment. That's mm. fucked up. <laughs> Yeah. That's false advertising. (laughs) (laughs) Well, alas. Yeah, not the perfect stay uh, at either of our hotels, it seems, this year. Hopefully, next time will be better. Oh, I have something for Friday. Yeah, yeah. So, we also double-checked on a certain event 
that was supposed to happen oh, on yeah, Sunday. Conan, yeah. And then we made V-Lord <laughs> ask about it so, yeah, the, right before dinner. The weird thing about that is they didn't, like, advertise it at all. Yeah. It's like, V-Lord, no, V-Lord no. found out about it Friday. TMS never, on their official Twitter, announced that it was canceled. And no, MMC and only after... Announced on their Twitter it was canceled. After like, they were asked is when they covered it up on Saturday. Yeah, and it's seriously. Just like, it was still... It was still on the 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 poster in front of the panel hall for that room yeah. that, that was going to be the Conan screen something, and then they had to cover it up with just a piece of folded paper saying Conan canceled. It's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Friday, like Friday night. I emailed them saying, "Hey, is Conan actually canceled?" I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's gone, guys. And the con book that's printed with Conan still on the schedule. I mean, the con book that's printed, but seemingly without a lot of things confirmed to be on schedule. There's still like coming soon. There's still like, coming soon in the con book sets. It's so strange. They have, I guess they sent it to print before things were finalized, so they couldn't put anything in there. But it's, yeah. it's so but strange. Rip Conan. He, he was not it's such a shame. I was so excited for Scarlet. I was so excited for Scarlet Bullet and Lupin, and we didn't get to see either of those. True. Ironically enough, at least uh, we got Pompo. Thankfully, we made up with it with the majesty no. that was Pompo, though, which I picked out. I like that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Pompo and Bell, it worked out for us, which and, we almost didn't get into Pompo because, like, we didn't get lottery tickets for it. Yeah. Oh yeah, and shit. That's right. We asked on. <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah. I actually, I, you I won the yeah, Pompo. I, you won. You had great luck. You won both Pompo and Bell, and Bell yeah. lottery tickets. <laughs> uh, we got press for Bell on the first uh, day we asked them, but we yeah. didn't say that they had Pompo uh, on that day. We asked, and they said, "Oh, we we don't think we have Pompo press tickets." But then on Saturday, they're like, "Oh, hey, we have a bunch of Pompo stuff still left. Come first, come yeah. first serve." Yeah, see, I lifted this this notebook and we had like 500 tickets below it. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it worked out for us that we were able to see both movies because yeah. they're a great time. Interestingly, like it, none of the rooms for Bell or Pumble were like at capacity. Bell was pretty full. It was fuller than Pompo, but yeah, Pompo was actually surprisingly. There was a lot of open space. Yeah. Like less than fifty, less than half full for Pompo. Yeah, it's okay. People don't have the same taste I do because everybody could agree. <laughs> everybody, you do have good taste because Pompo, Pompo was the best film out of the two, and it would have been better than Conan. Even though I still want to see Charlotte. Yeah, same. And TMS. I hope they screen it somewhere. TMS, we're waiting. Put it in theaters. At the very least, it'll be available on digital. If they <laughs> Maybe have, for if the twenty fifth. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they'll yeah, do. like because yeah. it's weird. You think like, well, I mean, I guess Conan's not like as big as say One Piece or something. But you think they now that people are responding to it, that they do more to like get into theaters everywhere. I mean, they did it for Twenty Four, yeah. but just not in the U.S. for whatever reason. So yeah, I mean, at the very least, like they did that like limited screening for the Lupin 50th anniversary of like just having <laughs> the dub of the first episode and the first few episodes like even if it's a limited thing they could put the Conan movie in theaters but you know uh, well, maybe they'll try in the, again in the future and hopefully yeah. uh, you know get a chance to attend it but we'll get back to Belle and Pompo and Sunday when we get to Sunday but first we have Saturday to go to and Saturday has its own like share of panels including again for Relord and uh, me a lot of industry stuff like right at the start especially Yen Press began the day for us 
And they announced a lot of titles at the Yen Press panel. Uh, were there any in particular that you really wanted to talk about? I think Geek Husband stood out as like a way of the husband's type story, but just with a taku bent. Uh, I think one of the most interesting, fun parts of it, of course, was their prize bag. They had a, like, a really generous prize bag. The prizes included a Blu-ray stack of Fruits Basket Seasons 1 and 2, the Black Belt, the movie, and your name. This is just like one prize pack. The second one yeah. was the complete Spice and Wolf collection. The third prize was Yen Press freebies and then $50 worth of Yen Press books at the boot. And then the fourth was like you could take home one of the standees from the Yen Press boot, which includes like the Atsushi Dazai Bungo Stray Dogs one they had like at the panel, uh, but also like the Kumago So I'm a Spider one, which uh, a local librarian actually did take home with her uh, at the end of the con. And then uh, the there was a Monica one. There was a lot of Yen Press like pop ups that you could take up take home. So yeah, that, that that was a cool prize. Obviously, if either of us wanted, we couldn't uh, get that prize because we couldn't like bring it home with us on a plane or anything. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, the, the very generous prize break from Yen Press. But uh, yeah, they had a lot of uh, license announcements. Yeah, I think the one that really stuck out to me was the uh, No Game No Life uh, Simul Pub. Yeah, I know No Game No Life. Uh, the next light novel is going to have like Simul Pub for every chapter so that's cool and uh yeah they there was a cool like kind of like time, uh, world traveling like buddy comedy series of second peach on where it's like a salad man meets like a bird who can talk and wants to oh, talk yeah. beef and they travel oh yeah yeah no that that sounds like a real interesting that, one that just makes me think of peach on from ronma though true <laughs> <laughs> uh I mean, I think it's just the pun on it being like a, a pigeon. Yeah, I know what it is. <laughs> peach on pigeon. When yeah. I hear peach on, I just I'm like, oh, peach on. Yeah. Ryoga, best boy. Indeed. There, there's no other best boy. <laughs> there is then, none. See you tomorrow at the food court. Uh, was described as a down to earth friendship manga. That sounded pretty sweet. So, that one also seemed pretty. Cool. Uh, any other titles from Yen Press that they announced that you guys want to mention? Uh, damn. Uh, I should. I wish I, I, I had prepared and had like a tab open with all this stuff. But uh, I really liked um the light novel selection that they had. In particular, I think it was cool to hear them say about like their like foray into more like audiobooks and stuff. I thought that was mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like a, it's a tapped market, but not as much as I think it should be. It's a tapped market yeah. for, I feel, books outside of light novels, like for... Yeah, I mean, light novels don't have as many audiobooks yet, so th that announcement of their Yen audio line and the titles they announced they're going to be doing through that, as well as, you know, Jay Novel Club announcing the, the big news. Yeah, yeah. we'll yeah, get to that. That got me so excited. Chad uh, I, I don't think anyone recorded that moment, which is a shame. Because <laughs> I was thinking about, but sure. like by the time I realized, I showed up. No, like, yeah. way through. Yeah, that's the shame of it. Uh, right after Yen Pes, basically, was the Dark Horse panel, just to continue on the industry panels, and you know, uh, well, I think there was a little bit of time in between, but I think uh, you guys skipped out on Dark Horse. Uh, well, at least I was there. No, I mean you and I were there. Oh yeah, I I think I went to 
I went back to like dealers hall for a bunch yeah. of stuff. I think it was like Jacka. You came with us. Yeah, Jacka was there. Yeah. yeah, I was there. Yeah, and I mean, you guys skip because you know. Well, you correctly assume Dark Horse isn't going to announce anything really at the panel, which is true. But that, that the draw for me was that it was hosted by Zach Davison and Carl Horn. And they basically went through the history of Dark Horse as a publisher and its relationship with publishing manga. Uh, also describing like how some American comics published by Dark Horse are published in Japan. And like all sorts of cool connections between American comic artists and Japanese comics artists. And yeah. how intertwined the two industries are. Yeah, yeah like how Sin cool. City is a Yashaki comic in Japan. So now we have to cover Cincy <laughs> yeah. on SNS. No, seriously, that's the exchange. Chicago-Con <laughs> licensed Mob to Dark Horse, and Dark Horse licensed in City to Chicago-Con. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sim City 2022, guys. Yeah. You have to cover on that Saturday night show. And then, I've, yeah, like, I was talking about how a lot of Japanese Mangaka workers inspired and or loves American comics. And uh, how, like, there are Japanese creators who have drawn Dojinchi in American comics. Like, here you can she drew, like, an umbrella again, you didn't see. It's, it's super cool. And looking at, like, kind of the, like, new Lone Wolf and Cub kind of gallery editions, which are pretty cool. And they're working off from, like, the original pages of the series. Just, like, each one of those pages are, like, invaluable. They're, like, worth a million dollars each. And, uh, yeah, so that gallery edition looks pretty cool. It's going to have, like, color pages. I think that's already out. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it came out, like, a few years ago. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. Well, it's uh, pretty cool. And then they talked about, like, kind of a just-released Yoshitagamano illustrated uh, book uh, that kind of compiles a lot of different short stories uh, from Japanese and other cultures as well, like Gaelic Genji. And then they announced that they're doing a Vampire Hunter D omnibus. Uh, that's already out. Yeah, can they uh, like October? Yeah, I'm mean, actually a lot of the stuff they talked about were stuff that's already out. I don't think uh, anything was like a new announcement. It was just like, oh hey, the stuff's coming up. Yeah, like they mentioned, Berserk Forty One is on its way. They mentioned that the next volume is going to easy come on four, which is going to continue the story past the anime. That's Gonna come out early next year. And mobs still exist. They're still publishing. And, and mobs it. still exist. Totally. They just released Volume Seven, so they're, they're working their way through. Oh my gosh! <laughs> seven in how many years? But the part of the panel was just hearing, hearing Zach and Carl go through a bunch of manga history. Also, it's been like six years, Marion. Yeah. It's not God been six damn. years since they've licensed year. Mob, have they? No, Mob is in first grade. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> it's probably not been six years. Let's say it's been in 2018, so it's been three years. Okay, five. That's <laughs> that's like half as long. But All right, still. two yeah, years. Yeah, it's taken them. If they commit to that March 2022 reset for volume eight, it'll have taken them three and a half years to get through half the series. So by I guess 2025 they'll finish it. Oh boy, I can't oh boy. wait. Yeah. <laughs> and by then, like, half the volumes will be out of print. Yeah. <laughs> well. We went from one Carl and Zach panel to the other, because right after that, Vilor and I attended the Localize This panel, which featured a Mount Brushmore localization, as described Zach Davison, Carl Horn, 
Dr. Mari Morimoto, Lindsay Loveridge from Anon, and of course Erica Friedman. And it was a great panel that basically looked into uh, describing what localization is and what their perspectives on what good and bad localization are. And yeah, they had a lot of good conversations, including a lot of back notes and some things they disagree with, and like when, uh, you know, translation notes are worked, including in a script, or like on. Where, like, what are some series are meant to educate readers about Japanese culture or when they are not? And, yeah, they had uh, also a lot of good conversation of, like, you know, what is the audience for a localized work? And does the media make a difference? Does the audience make a difference on how things are received and how things should be localized? So, uh, also the role of social media in getting work and like being a localizer in that space and dealing with fans a lot of good convo about like being a localizer in the industry so yeah like it was a lot of fun and the tread i made like kind of compiling uh, their conversation was a very well received i saw a lot of people like kind of react to it and quote retreat it and share it around so i'm glad that uh, people really liked it and i really enjoyed attending it it was a great conversation uh, a lot of folks that, you know, I was glad to say hi to Zach uh, and Erica after the panel. Sadly, I missed Carl. I would have loved to, like, mention to Carl, like, oh, I'm a big fan of your work on Excel Slug and stuff. And uh, I'm sad I missed Mari, too, because it's been a while since I talked to her as well. But, yeah, no, it was a really cool panel full of really awesome people. Yeah, I, I wish I could have gone. If I had not, like, lost track of time, I would have definitely gone in for that one, because... Uh, that's one of my favorite topics to to hear people talk about, especially, like, professionals. Oh, absolutely. And the fun part is, like, Zach kind of scrabbled together the panelists for this at the last minute. Like, Erica didn't know she was going to be on until, like, 20 minutes before, and neither did Carl. I think Carl just immediately, Zach roped him into it, so that was fun. But they were able to put on a really great panel and conversation just spontaneously like that. And yeah. Yeah. Didn't he do the same thing for the last day NYC for the the translators yeah, and letterer? It was a similar thing to the one to at the previous NYC, which had Christy and Brandon and Jenny uh, on it. So and my boy yeah, Caleb. But Caleb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and Caleb. That was great. Another who's who of some of the best translators in the biz. But yeah, that was a really great panel. And then uh, after that, it was kind of a break in panels because, unfortunately, like, we wanted to do Lupin, right? But Lupin screening uh, immediately got filled out, so we couldn't do that. So instead, uh, there was a break between the next panel I went to, which was another one of Erica's panels, which was Serving Magical Person Realness, which was a conversation between her and other, like, queer analysts and in the space, queer creators in the space, like Princess Weeks from uh, the YouTube channel, as you name and uh, the It's Lit PBS series, uh, Kiara Valdez from First Second, and Michelle Kirajanska, who is a writer for The New Yorker. And yeah, it was like, just a great conversation about queer representation in anime and manga, like how they were introduced to it and how they feel it has evolved or changed over time and like what type of representation they want to see more of and what the, how they feel about the future of queer representation in anime manga 
as mediums. And yeah, I thought it was a really great conversation on the, the subject. So yeah, that was another fun panel. And the next panel after that was basically the J novel panel. Like, basically all the panels on Saturday after a certain point were getting pretty much filled up. Like, I think, honestly, compared uh, to Friday, Friday, because there was so much trouble with people getting in, there were panels that weren't as populated. Like, Kaneki, I think we were one of just a couple, do- a dozen people there, really. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like, Yen, Dark Horse, all the panels we went to on Saturday were, like, full up. So, except for the last panel of the day for us, which is J Novel. Which also is down to like uh, a dozen or two dozen folks, probably because of the confusion of like getting into the panel area. Like we got in just a minute late, and they'd already started. But yeah, they had just done like one of the announcements. Yes, yeah. But uh, the J Novel panel was a lot of fun. I mean, you already knew all the announcements because you got the press release. So except for one, except for there, one, there was one that they didn't put on the list that yeah, they gave. The me. big surprise that was super exciting that made me so happy when I heard Lisa Ortiz's voice as Lena Inverse doing a bit with the, <laughs> with Sam and Christy about like oh. We don't have any plans for uh, Slayer. And she was like, no, no. Lena was coaxing them into like announcing it. And then they did. They announced Slayer's audiobooks narrated by Lisa Ortiz herself. And that's so exciting. Like, I I was just, my heart's get to be hearing Lisa Ortiz as Lena again and doing that sketch. And I am so excited to listen to these audiobooks with her narrating them in, in Lena's voice. It's just it's just so exciting for me as a long time fan, and uh, yeah, like that was such a cool announcement to close on. Uh, but yeah, they had a lot of other really cool announcements uh, on their panel. Like they announced, like the their beta app is done and is like sent to the app store for approval. They mm-hmm. announced a lot of big new titles. Like, do you guys want to talk about anything that like really excites you? I guess uh, you you got me. Oh, okay. So I already. I previewed a bunch of them. Overall, I think this is a, a really, really solid batch of licenses. Uh, usually, like as soon as the announcements are done, or like by the end of that week, they'll have like part ones for everything that they, they they announced. And I went through like half of them this time. I've been kind of busy, so I'm not reading as much. A couple of them, I I read some of these uh, from like the, the manga adaptations. My favorite one is probably uh, "Prison Life is Easy for a Villainous." Like, yo, yeah, that one was one that from the premise was like, "Whoa, prisoner villainous novel." Now that sounds interesting. <laughs> it's so fun. It's it's basically uh, like this this villainous girl. Like, she's not reincarnated or anything. She's just this is the there's no there's no isekai aspect to it. Mm. It's just a fantasy story. But basically, she gets wrapped up in this plot that like like the prince that she's engaged to just wants to date this other girl instead so she takes advantage of that to like like fall into like his trap of like oh i'm gonna jail you for like the crime of of like uh what's it called like i, I don't know what it's called when you when you like defame the, the crown or whatever or or just like for insubordination type shit mm. and basically she planned ahead and she sent like she had her servants like covertly send like all of her possessions so that she'll have like six months worth of food and like she could like read or like paint or like do all of her hobbies or whatever because basically she wants to get away from the fact that like being like the 
the crown princess uh being engaged to like the prince or whatever means that she has to take all of these lessons on like etiquette and like basically being like tormented by all of the all of the nobility that's that they want to like turn her into like a puppet type of figure or whatever uh and she's like i don't want to deal with that so and basically so like she's very easier than that <laughs> she's very she's just very smart and like uh at every time like uh someone tries to like demean her or whatever she just flips it on their head and it's just it's so entertaining just seeing like this very unflappable person just like completely shitting over everyone else it's very fun uh that's definitely like my favorite of the whole batch but there's a bunch of others and uh just from like the titles like some of them sound like entertaining they'll scratch some kind of itch i think most of them have been skewed towards like the fantasy slash uh mm. isekai slash like high fantasy realm of of, yeah. uh, of titles like uh magic knight of old ways fantasy inbound there's one that uh there are really only two exceptions to that yeah. that are like slice of life for like uh a chuny series yeah yeah um the freaking when supernatural battles became commonplace which yeah, was that that was probably yeah. one of the bigger titles in terms of like how it's a longer, older title, and it was, you know, one of Trigger's earliest shows. It was their second series after Kill a Kill, their adaptation yes. of it. So that's how I know of it, because I watched that back in the day. Yeah, it's interesting, because, like, this is actually, like, the second title by that same author that they have. The first one that they got was one from, like, a year or two ago, Are You Okay With a Slightly Older Girlfriend? Which is like mm. wait, that's the same person. <laughs> yeah, they're written by oh the same God. person. It's really funny <laughs> to think about because this one, uh, slightly older girlfriend, like it's a oh my God. I know there's there's people who will be like just like immediately put off by the premise, but basically, uh, this 15 year old falls in love at first sight with uh, a girl that was in a that he like saved from like a molester on the train or whatever. That was wearing like a high school uniform. But she's actually 27. She's 12 years older than him. <laughs> they're, they're like the same Zodiac sign. And he thought like, oh, cute. We can like bond over this. But that must mean we're the same age. Like, 15. no, she's a whole 12 years older than you. Yeah. <laughs> that well, shit was... The dialogue in that know. book, though, is like amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like honestly, the freaking it, Mega Man stuff. It's, it's so funny. I don't know. I I kind of I kept up with it with out of like like morbid curiosity. I'm not going to recommend it to anyone, but uh, I think part of what made me enjoy that is uh, I think the author has a good sense of uh, like pop culture and like where the times are. Like, I think the story is set in like 2011 ish and uh, the, the older point of view character, the, the, the girl, uh, she's a bit of like a video game otaku and uh, she'll reference games like Mega Man Battle Network. And I'm like, Oh my god, she was made for me. <laughs> I'm the I'm the otaku they're trying to bait. It's a, it's a reading this shit, and it, it absolutely worked. I was mad. Yeah, I was like okay. I'd say it's not a good series, but if you want a really good trash fire read, so true. That's that's what you should have. Yeah, it's entertaining. So I'm I'm curious to see like that uh, that writer uh, like move the story forward of. Uh, the supernatural battles one because uh, I did enjoy the anime and I watched it and I think that one scene that everyone remembers is like uh, I, I want to see how it's uh, how it's like in prose so yeah a lot a lot of cool stuff uh, that J novel got to be honest yeah and a really 
cool Q&A sesh, too, afterward. I mean, of course, you asked about those Dendrogram side stories. And I, I know, that's my, that's my mission. <laughs> I, every, time I, <laughs> every time I go to a J-Novel panel, I'm like, hey, so... Yeah, a fun question asked about what the hardest things they've had to translate. Uh, like, it turns out Sam was the translator of the Titanic Galaxy anime, so that was the hardest thing for him. Like, for Christy, it was that Farming was so Life cool. in Another World. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Christy was, was uh, the... Farming Life Farming One Piece box. Mm-hmm. And... There was a question about like whether who from someone who didn't like the smart form anime whether they the originals weren't that good and if a Steiner rewrote them to be better <laughs> and so that just lets you a great praise sesh for Steiner's translations and comedy chops uh, on the panel and then uh, my tweet tagging him about that you know he saw that and he was very happy about it so yeah shout out to Steiner for his great translation work shout out to Steiner for also translating Dendrogram. Yeah, I mean, everything Steiner translates like is amazing. Mm-hmm. True, but uh, yeah, fun panel with uh, Sam and Christy, and uh, mm-hmm. great announcements from J Novel, especially that Slayer's audiobooks. I'm so excited. Yeah, Mary and I also talked to uh, Christy afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I love how I love how every time I meet Christy, she she forgets who I am until I. And she's <laughs> like, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that I think Sakaki and Jekka were the only. People, she immediately. <laughs> she just really oh, likes white colors. It was like, actually, uh, I was after, hanging like, out there for a little bit, but like, uh, she didn't really realize who I was until Sakaki uh, came. Yeah. She's like, oh, uh, wait. until Sakaki arrived, it's like, oh wait, the white. Why? She's Why? Do you have an iconic look, Sakaki? Yeah, I, know. I, I, I mean, we ran into Christy quite a lot during the con, like Baird and I. Hmm. No, yeah, I think we talk to her every day. Yeah, like I think it was a uh, Saturday. She was dressed as Futaba from a. Uh, yeah, I remember yeah. you mentioned that, or was it somebody? Somebody mentioned it to me, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's actually a good look for her." I didn't see her, but like, yeah, I was like, "Okay, I could imagine that." I'm still just weirded out by that, though. <laughs> no, you just you just radiate that grunt energy of like, "Oh, I love my wife." <laughs> I don't know if that's good or you, bad. You're thing. the future wife guy. Grant's been training you from the past. <laughs> so true. I don't know. I mean, well, okay. Well, I, I, I guess I should ask my wife what she thinks. What she, yeah, I'm putting you out there on the spot. <laughs> See? See? I don't I don't have to grant energy. There you go. She didn't answer. <laughs> yeah, you definitely do. <laughs> Well, I think the RNG was exhausted by the end of the J-Novel panel, because that's basically the last thing we did that day. I mean, we were considering doing One Piece. Uh, we said we saw it. Holy shit. line and you I ran. Mean, Tim might have given us an in, like Marianne was talking to him about it, but, you know, we, we decided, no, it's too much line, yeah. and uh, we don't want to deal with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I, I, we, if we hadn't had left the panels area, I might have tried to stick around for the Kadansha What's in a Manga Magazine panel. They forced everyone out, though. I mean, no, they just forced us out because we were standing by the bathroom doors, but if we had just moved away from there and gone in line through something else, we probably would have seen it. But... Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, no, we went home after that. We just got pizza. We chilled that night watching some knickknacks in the funk land. Yeah. yeah. And Mega 64. That yeah, was a good night. It was a good time. And Mega 64. <laughs> yeah. It was we amazing. We talked Sakaki about Evangelion. 
Yeah. yeah, I've eaten that. Now, now, now Psychaki knows all about Evangelium that he ever needs to. He's yeah, exactly. He basically seen it all through those berries. Now he doesn't have to watch that Blu-ray box that's literally right next to us right now. Yeah. That- and as God. mentioned before, that One Piece uh, panel situation, they only finally capped the line at 8pm. So just imagine all those people who are waiting for hours. Which is like, just cap it earlier! They probably should have. But th- that's after after or, or having set aside two extra rooms again to, for the screening, so that you know what's funny? You know what they should have done? To, to be honest, <laughs> once they realized mm-hmm. like how big the One Piece panel was, they should have programmed all of the TVs in the the. Oh, that would have been great! Yeah, yeah all of the TVs in like the, the 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 dining area and like the like like towards like the center, like outside of the the. The dealer's room entrance or whatever, like all Instead of those of TV screens, the same yeah. ad to show over them. and over again. I mean, it's not like the One Piece uh, episode of Thousand was a premiere, even or like it was not. It was happening earlier than the premiere of the episode online. Like they were airing the first two episodes of no, the previous two episodes before episode Thousand, and then a mm-hmm. Thousand. That's why the pan. That's why it's like an hour and a half long the panel time. So they could have just yeah they could have programmed all the TVs in the con center to be like hey if you really want to watch One Piece uh, here it's on every TV for everyone to watch. Let's turn it into One Piece con. True. It was online by nine p.m. on that Saturday anyway. So they very well could have done that, but I feel bad for the people who were waiting online and didn't manage to get in despite the extra allocation. But yeah, that was our Saturday, and so now we are in Sunday, and once again, it started off kind of immediately with an industry panel for us. So actually, actually, we missed something from the Dinal panel, I think. What? There was the raffle. Oh, the raffle, but the results came out, like, there was a three-day raffle, basically, like, every every day, like, around 6 or 4 p.m. Yeah. They announce like winners of people who basically, if you go to their booth and buy stuff, uh, it could be mm-hmm. even like just like this one dollar pin. Uh, you'll get like a ticket to enter a raffle. I entered three days in a row. I got like multiple tickets because uh, they said that oh the the tickets that we didn't read out the day before they're going to be added to the pool for the next one. I had like five tickets. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But Velor did. And so on yeah. Sunday morning, Velor, that was your first trip was to cash in on your raffle. Yeah, so like Saturday I bought Tier Moon Empire Volume 1 from J-Double, so I got a ticket. And then that afternoon, like, I found out, oh, hey, I won. Cool. Mm-hmm. Lucky me. Oh, yeah, that actually reminds me. Before I attended the uh, Magical Glorilliness panel on Saturday, I, I did... Step back in to try and get through as much the artist eye as possible, and I couldn't finish it because of the, how congested it was. But I did encounter Rika Takashi's boot, and she is an independent Yuri artist who I really like her work. Rika Takanji was one of the earliest works that ALC Publishing, Erica's like Yuri publisher house that she had in the early 2000s uh, published. So I was really excited, and so I talked to her about how much I liked her work, and I bought like some of her books, and she offered to draw my portrait, and it was really sweet. And it was pretty cool. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah. I didn't know that part of the story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. we took a, like, a selfie together, and yeah, this is really nice, really sweet experience. And, uh, yeah. And then I think, uh, I don't think I managed any 
other purchases at Artist Alley, they so suddenly was left, and I got most of the Eurus Oxtra, like, prints that I did find there. And, like, the very last purchase I get, like, right towards the end of the con when they were starting to clear anyone out, is that I found, like, that place, that artist booth that was selling, like, the Hamtaro sweaters. And I got, like, the black Hamtaro sweater, because I have had the white one ever since uh, the first time I went to NIMC, like, three years ago. So I thought, you know, it's, it's worn out a bit. I could get a new version. So, yeah. That basically does it for artist style purchases. But yeah, no, going back to Sunday, our first panel of the day was the Oski panel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oski was pretty good, I think. Yeah. No, uh, Oski announced that they had partnered with Sozo Comics for some new titles on there, including some simulpubs. They mentioned they got an app on the way. They talked about, you know, uh, some sales they were having. They talked about some updates and new features they were working on. And they announced uh, some new titles from Starfruit Books and Glacier Bay. Actually, the day before, I was messaged by Matt of Starfruit Books to ask if like I was going to be at the panel and if I could take a picture of like the their announcement at the panel. And, uh, yeah, I was glad I was able to do that and take a picture of that for that. And, yeah, so, it, yeah, it was When Pink Rain Falls, the Starfruit Books title that he added to Oski. And I I actually got a copy of that from Matt uh, a little while ago, and I read it. It's it's a really sweet BL. It's so, like their first ever BL title. It is their Oski, first BL, yeah. and uh, one of their first... It is Oski's first BL, especially. Yeah. And <laughs> it's their first BL... I think they're only so far, so hopefully they continue on more from there. And uh, add some Yuri, too. I think that was my question. If they had any Yuri, Evan said no, unfortunately. So. <laughs> oh, that reminded me. I I recommended them to get, uh, maybe talk to like Iratori Comics, because some of their indie yeah. stuff is uh, yeah. pretty good. I feel like it would be No, absolutely. The Iratori Library would be great additions to them. And yeah, that, afterward, we did talk with Evan a little bit, exchange cards. He recognized uh, my user handle and stuff. And uh, yeah, so hopefully we can, you know, talk more with him and uh, do some more stuff with Oski in the future. But yeah, Oski panel was really good. And uh, there were like free prizes, free book prizes to everyone who asked a question. But oh, I was the last person who asked a question. I didn't get a book, but I still managed to get like one of the the pins that they were giving out, so I got an even zero pin. Marion, what book did you choose? Uh, the one about the rain falling. Forgot how it, how it went. Yeah, When Pink Rain Falls. The BL one. Yeah. Oh, thanks. It's a good one. Yeah, it was it was very cute. Mm. And that basically was the only panel we did before getting into the Pompo and Bell screens. Like, <laughs> Sunday was really movie day for us, and that took up most of our time. And unfortunately, we separated from Marion uh, after the ASCII panel. So, Marion, like, what were what did you do the rest of the night? You went to some other cool panels. Yeah, uh, so I think the next panel I went to was the current state of the manga industry. Uh-huh. It was actually in the same room as the Ozuki one, but I had to kill some time in between. So uh, I went to Artist Alley and I picked up some commissions and uh, I was like, I was I was wandering around and I found <laughs> there was this one area where it was just like a DJ playing music and people like dancing and shit. But like <laughs> people were like crowded in like a circle 
but like no one was going in and i'm like what the hell <laughs> this is so weird why, why is no one doing anything so i i popped in for like a good like 10 seconds and i was like shuffling and like trying to do like some random shit like a two-step or something and uh yeah and then i bounced and people were like whoa, whoa, whoa. and i'm like yeah just fucking dance do something weirdos fucking nerds come on <laughs> dance <laughs> um i don't know why that got so aggressive basically uh after that i went to the the panel at the current state of the manga industry which is cool it had kurt hasler yeah uh it was moderated by chris mcdonald the guy who owns anime news yeah. network yeah and the panelists were kurt hasler from rem press the managing director and kevin hamrick who is the vp of publishing sales of viz so mm-hmm. they basically dropped some knowledge on us like, oh, last year was like, it was kind of rough, but this year is shaping up to be like the best year ever for the industry in terms of like sales. Like so many people are buying books and reading and like that. It's great. Like uh, compared to like when the bubble crashed or whatever, back when like fucking borders had to close or whatever, we've seen like, I, I don't remember the numbers. I'm just going to make a wild number up because when I heard it, I was like, whoa. Uh, it, we've seen like 500% increase of sales in books overall in terms of like <laughs> like mangas, manga sales. And basically, a lot of people were scared about uh, print, like dying out or whatever. But just as like we've seen uh, in Japan, like things are kind of like leveling off. And uh, I would say like they're, it's kind of balanced right now. Like both both of the markets are healthy. In terms of what this means, basically, it's uh, it's possible for publishers to be a little more uh, like adventurous in terms of like their their licensing projects and like what what they can like publish out there and like more people are going are willing to buy more diverse titles and stuff, which is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. In terms of like what's popular right now, Jujutsu Kaisen is like the the hot seller right now because of the anime. People still buy like reprints of older stuff, like the the Full Metal Alchemist Omnis are selling really well. Yeah, it's just mostly like lots of good news. I really like the way that yeah. uh, Chris was handling the moderation, like in terms of like steering the topics, inserting one or two questions here and there, making sure that they don't like digress too much. I thought like I really wish I like recorded it just so I can like listen over and to see like how he handled it because I feel like I could have. I could have taken a lot of notes and like learned how to, like even like host podcasts, like what, what we're doing right now, <laughs> like for yeah, like we, SNS. Gotta make SNS better. <laughs> I don't know, V Lord. You could just edit it to make it better. So fuck that. <laughs> God, putting all the work on me. But uh, it was cool. Uh, basic. The panel w- was cool about it. Was uh, also it was sponsored by the Japan Society, Japan Foundation. Yeah, of New York. Mm. Oh. And they had, like, a little survey about, like, oh, do you like these kind of events? Should we do more? What kind of people do you want us to bring to these events, etc.? Uh, I said, I would like to see more more industry professionals like this. But also, more, like, Japanese people as well would be cool. Especially, like, uh, in, like, positions that we don't really hear much from. Like, uh, like we get, like, directors and stuff. Maybe Maybe bring some producers. Bring some composers. Bring uh, people who work as like, like I don't know, like an in betweener or something, like an uh, animator yeah. and stuff. That would be cool. Yeah, people from all over the pipeline. Yeah, from all over the pipeline, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good panel. I caught Chris later, and I told him like, 
specifically like, <laughs> oh, dude, I like the, I like your, the way you moderated it. It made the panel really enjoyable. So he was like, oh, thank you. After that, I was like wandering around. Basically, I was killing time until the AMV contest, which is like one of my favorite things. What I liked about Otakon is that they have like a dedicated like AMV theater uh, where they're just constantly playing AMVs. And mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't participate in the voting for for this year's thing for ANYC, but uh, I got to see like the winners and like the runner ups, which was fun. Uh, they had a bunch of ca- categories. I have the list. I got to go through them so I can like. There were a couple, like a handful that I was like, oh, y'all would really enjoy this one. Or, oh, this editing is really good. I want to send this to Jekka. Or like, oh, this, yeah, this this got me kind of emo. <laughs> this is a good, this is a, a good submission. And uh, yeah, it, it was cool. Uh, it was like, that was like a good like hour, hour and a half. AMV contests are great. Uh, I definitely recommend them for anyone who like goes to cons and like, maybe you don't like going to panels. But this is, like, a good kind of event to go to. Especially for, um, like, before, like, the last day when you get to actually vote. Like, I think that's a that's a fun interactive experience. Being able to, like, help choose, like, what wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, while I was on the line for the AMV contest, uh, there was this guy in, like, a Naruto cosplay behind <laughs> me. Uh, I took off my coat because it was, like, really hot. And I was, like, I was just, like, brushing to make sure that there were, like, no like, feathers that out from the coat and i asked the guy behind me like oh do i have anything on my back uh he's like no you're good and then like like five seconds later uh he's like oh by the way i don't know what your sweater's from but i really like it it just says gyoza crazy and i also love gyoza <laughs> and i'm like yeah bro me too <laughs> you should i was like oh this is uh from door Hedoro, by the way if you don't know what that is you should definitely check it out and he's like nice. oh all right bet i'll do that and i'm like yeah Got another <laughs> Yeah. Another one to go down the hole. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Danny DeVito. <laughs> God. Yeah. I mean, actually, on the subject of uh, cosplayers, were there any interesting cosplays that you guys saw on the con? Everything was Genshin, so no. <laughs> serious, I'm serious really answer. Happy to encounter uh, cosplayers for Lum and Ray from your Yatra. It was really nice to see some your Yatra cosplayers. So, it's, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I I rarely take pictures of cosplayers just because like, I forget to, but I had to do with them because it's like, oh my god, your Yatra cosplayers! I'm so excited. Thank you. There was a good common writer one. I remember we ran into. Oh yeah, uh, shit! I forgot which common writer it was. It wasn't Drive, right? It was, uh, oh, there was a guy who, when we were waiting in line to get into the con, there was a guy who, like, made a paper mache pochita. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and there was, cute. Also, of course, a very great, you know, chainsaw man, dingy, with his transform, mm. like, chainsaw head. So oh, yeah, there were, there were lots of yeah. chainsaw man, but, like, also, mm. it's interesting, because uh, a lot of the, the simple ones, like, uh, like, Aki or Power, was just, like, the double horns. Hmm. There was one person who was actually the angel uh, with, like, a little halo Mm -hmm. and shit. I thought that was funny. My favorites are all usually veered to, like, like the video game ones that I really like. Like, I I got a cute uh, picture of um, a female Robin and Tharya from Fire Emblem Awakening. Mm -hmm. The Tharya had, uh, she had, like, pink Crocs or something with socks. I was like, (laughs) she would. (laughs) That was pretty in character. Yeah, I, I took a couple a couple pictures of, of posted on Twitter. 
There was also a lot of VTuber cosplay, which I wasn't really expecting. Hmm. Nice. Any critics are VTubers? Um, there were some from EN. I saw, I think I saw, like, one, like, Gura. Yeah, I saw a the few sh- Guras, like, I think one Amelia. Yeah. I don't think I see, saw that many Callies, surprisingly. Yeah. I think I saw one of uh, Fubuki, which is, like, the, the fox girl mm-hmm. from All Alive Gamers. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. How about you, Sakaki and Jaga? Did you guys see any cool cosplays? I think there was, um, there were these two guys, one of them was dressed as Jotaro, and the other one was dressed as, um, his stand, and they were actually posing for pictures. <laughs> oh, that's based. Oh, I, I didn't get AMM one, but... I think a picture of that, too. And Sakaki? Oh, was, I think Jekka was about to say something. Oh, okay. No, um, I, I was just thinking if I saw anything else, I don't know. I don't remember at this point, I'm like, what day even was this? <laughs> So, it's all yeah. we're, we're almost at the end. We really only have the the pop and all this talk about. Uh, for me, I mean, I'm looking through my phone. Normally, I have like a whole thread that I do, but I just, I guess there's just so much going on, I forgot to do it. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> fair enough. Like, I, I do remember there being a common rider Zio, like the first oh, day. Oh, was Zio? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah I that was him. Yeah, it was, was Zio or. I don't know, Cougar or something. Yeah, it was Zio, I believe. That was the first day that I think, and I saw one from Deno. I mean, I basically took those pictures for our friend Meowth, or Allison. So, other than that, I mean, I want to show my ass here on the podcast. I'm not a super huge Chainsaw Man fan, but I will admit there were, like, some pretty good ones. Oh, okay, I found... Oh, the, the Kobeni with holding McDonald's. Yes! Yeah. Yes! <laughs> I, I actually, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I actually just found one that I took, actually. It was, like, a bunch of girls dressed up as different colored toads from Mario. It's actually really cute. Oh, cute. Yeah. yeah. I really like that one. But, yeah, other than that, I didn't really... There wasn't any, like, anyone that I would say that it really stood out to me. I, I do regret not doing the thread this time. Because I did it for Otakon, and I didn't do it for this one. And I, I, I don't know why. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm going through my pictures. I see a Shin from Dorhodoro uh, that I took while I was like posing, showing the uh, the back of my sweater. A Gilgamesh, a Caster Gilgamesh, who had his titties out. I was like, "You're <laughs> you brave soul." <laughs> and an Ike. We like Ike. Yeah, we fight for our friends. Exactly. <laughs> so true. Oh, and the <laughs> I was trying to take like a picture, like at all of the Itashas, the the cars with like designs and shit. I made it a like, a habit to, like, take a picture, like, hard styling, like, doing, like, the Slav squat, and, uh, I was trying to get one, uh, at one car, and I was like, oh, can I get a picture, can you take a picture of me or whatever, and, uh, this cosplayer thought that I wanted a picture with her, so she just, she's just, like, started posing next to me, and I'm like, oh, uh, okay, that's not what I meant, but I, and <laughs> I did, like, some Charlie's Angel shit, and, uh, apparently, apparently she's, like, a famous TikToker, and I'm just like, wow. huh? yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I looked her up like a while back. I forget her handle. Yeah, she, it was kind of Yeah, funny. she's like crazy popular on TikTok. I could have gone viral. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that does it for the cosplays, we'll get into movies. But before we do that, 
there were, or actually, Miriam, was there anything else on Sunday you wanted to talk about? Um, was it Sunday or was it Saturday that, oh, it was actually, it was on Saturday that I forgot. I actually went to the, the Kentaro Mura mural. Yeah. I was just about talking about the mural. Yeah, Yeah, the Kentaro Mura mural was really sweet. Like, they had Dark Horse set up like a little boot that was just like kind of a big like street-sided wall where people could just write messages to Mira. And yeah, the entire space got filled up. I managed to write my message like on Sunday morning. And yeah, uh, yeah it was uh, really sweet that, you know, so many people poured really sincere heartfelt messages just thanking Mira for uh, his work and like uh, inspiring them in their lives. So true. My favorite is all the people who just wrote, Goat, you're my goat. My goat forever. (laughs) Yeah, there were a lot of that. I'm like, you're so so true. The message I read (laughs) parodied that uh, Mimi just mentioned earlier. That iconic line of, it was too big to be called a manga. Thank you for the journey, your sensei. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Mm Mm-hmm. That one was good. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up taking a very good pick of Marion, like writing their message on the board. <laughs> I managed like I managed to take a picture of the booth like right at the end of the con, like right oh, before that's closing. Yeah, so I got like the complete, complete version at the end and posted that on Twitter. So you got the final Smash Brothers poster. Final update. Oh version. Also, the TikToker that Burian took a picture with was at Julia Stunts. Okay. She's like a professional like stunt woman in television and film. Shout out to Who's Julia. Who's a cosplayer. That's, that's the name of my favorite girl in Fire Emblem Heroes. Shout out. <laughs> nice. Other interesting like, kind of uh, attractions in the exhibit hall, so to mention, were the Faraway Paladin mural. Yes! That- yeah, that was cool. It's a live performance art. The Eric Marusak uh, is known as like a chalk artist who goes around at the cons and does these live chalk drawings. And yeah, over the course of three days, like he basically illustrated this faraway paladin mural, this, like giant like mural. Like, he was drawing it like all throughout the cons. So that was really cool. Yeah, it was like the key art for one of the posters that Crunchyroll puts up. Yeah. And then there was a one-piece uh, mural that was like uh, people could, you know, go through this line and they were used to doing like kind of a puzzle piece kind of thing and they just put it on the wall. And like by the end of the, the con, it basically came up with the illustration, the full mm-hmm. complete illustration of it. And I, I didn't end up going to do that because the line for that was really long. But it was cool that they also had that there and that they did manage to complete it. Nice. Yeah. There are some really nice attractions this year. But now let's get into like the big events that closed out our con, the Pompo and Bell screenings. And of course Pompo came first in I think of the two, it's the one that we all agree is like the the best of that like true cinema as worthy of a cinephile. Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Sakaki was right. <laughs> good. It's good that you understand that. 
So, yeah. I mean, the whole story behind that was just everybody wanted to go. Well, I mean, aside from Marion, everybody else was like Conan. And I'm like, I don't want to. I have no interest in Akai. So, but like, and I'm going to buy the movie <laughs> when it comes out anyway. Because although I don't have interest in Akai, everybody likes Conan. And it's weekly Conan magazine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, I have to get so it. So true, King. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, I'll watch it when it comes out. But yeah, we. So, I won the. I wanted. I won tickets to Pompo and Bell as mentioned before and yeah so we ended up all going to it and it ended up as much as I'm I'm gloating about it I also wasn't expecting much from it I just didn't want to see Conan <laughs> but it ended up being like the best movie of the weekend so hey I'll take it ah <laughs> oh, the animation the editing of that movie is just superb and it's a really great story too just like you know this guy Gene Finney he's his life is consumed by movies to the point that he kind of was isolated like as a kid because his head was just full of like writing notes about movies and stuff so you know a, a director a prodigal director who's like a literal child took an interest in him and then basically made him her protege and then basically is trusting him into the role of directing his own film and because he's someone who's just lived in the world of movies and that's all you know he has in his mind like that's what allows him to create like this really unique vision to his film and uh yeah it's just a cool story of like this guy and like other people also moved and inspired by movies like joined together and like fighting for this creative project they believe in uh to the point of like having to basically out wit and convince a bunch of bankers to fund their project uh when they're when they have to you know do some last minute reshoots to make the movie as complete uh in the director's mind as possible so it's a fun film uh really creatively directed really amazing transitions like from the very opening musical number which is like kind of like a hollywood style stage performance kind of thing that kind of shows you the characters of like gene and the the female lead the aspiring actress of the film and like their kind of rags to riches stories of like breaking into the industry uh and then like from there it just kind of keeps moving and i love how the the movie illustrates like gene's editing is like he like literally is like kind of so you know the reels of film are like all about in front of him and then he like just literally is like selecting pieces of it and like just tearing it out or deleting it and it's like really really fun and cool so yeah, it's it's a really great story. I'm really looking forward to hopefully GK will give it a wide theatrical so we can see it again in theaters. It's, it's fun. It's definitely a big screen of view. And very fittingly 90 minutes because it's a big plot point in the film that Pompo does not like movies more than 90 minutes because she thinks they're too long. So it's really funny that they made it exactly 90 minutes. And uh, yeah, I, this was the first feature debut from Studio Clap. And uh, I think they did a really impressive job. And I thought it was kind of cute that in the end they had a scene of all the characters like literally clapping too. Definitely made you want to clap along with us. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people did. <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah. And also, an interesting point that I found reading Japanese wiki is that the banker is an original character. He's not in the manga. Yeah, yeah. he is. He's not in, like, any of the volumes. Yeah. No. yeah. And you read through the first volume, skims through it, and you say the film just adapted the plot of the first volume. Yeah, it's, it's a loose adaption of the first volume. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they did a great job of, like, 
rewriting and adapting the story to the big screen and like emphasizing uh, whatever teams are in the original work through the additions of like this banker subplot and I think it made a really strong film out of it. And the film was directed by Takayuki Harao, who did the best garden of Sinner's film, Paradox Spiral, uh, and then a bunch of other things that I'm, I'm not as familiar or not as fond of, like the Gyo adaptation <laughs> he did. The Paradox Spiral was great and also had really interesting transitions and, uh, you know, cool effects to how scenes would move from one to another. So, yeah, like, uh, I think Pompo had that same effect and it worked really well for a really fun story. Oh, he also did God Eater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, any other thoughts on Pompo? I mean, I, I, I Marion would probably like this. Pompo herself is voiced by Chica from Kaguya. Let's go! <laughs> so, like, <laughs> we, had, we had a couple of, like, you know, pretty big voice actors. A lot of them, like, like Gene himself was voiced by a relative newbie. Or, well, not a newbie, but somebody who yeah. hasn't done anime, and he did a pretty good job. I mean, the lead actor was voiced by Otsuka, Akio Otsuka, Solid Snake himself. Yeah. And, like, one of the the lead banker, I think, was voiced by Kogoro, so we kind of got him. <laughs> so, <laughs> the void was filled. Yeah, like, he, he, he showed up, in a way, so... But yeah, no, Pompo was, again, I, was, I wasn't sure what to expect out of it, but I would definitely go see it again. Like, if they, I, I know that they're doing a dub, so I'd go see it dubbed, and I want to pick up the manga at some point. But it, it was very, I guess I just like the theme of the movie, that it is just like, when you have this thing that you really want to do, sometimes you have to choose between what you really want to do and everything else. Yeah. And as much as sometimes I feel like that that lesson is imparted in a way that's kind of, like... I don't like the way sometimes it's like imparted is disingenuous. Yeah, it was more responsible here yeah, because, yeah. like, I was worried at the start that it was the idea is like you know you are a good like director for movies because you have nothing else in your life besides movies, and that made me uh, concerned of like oh like this guy's gonna pour all his life uh, into movies and cut everything else out. Like that's kind of. Uh, you know, not a great message to yeah. say, oh, you literally put all your life into your work, even to its detriment. But it's Bob again. Uh, yeah, but that's not the message, because clearly it's shown through the film that Gene is making tons of connections and friendships with other people who care about him through working on this movie. And even though he does continue to work on the film, like, after he has, like, his hospitalization for overwork, like, he has someone by him, his side to help him through and take care of him through the rest of the movie, like, the, na- the main actress, Natalie. And, you know, the ultimate message of the movie is, like, not, you shouldn't, like, die for your art, but, like, this is something that, you know, you if you believe in, you're going to put your all into. And if you... You know, because Gene comes from the perspective of, like, he lived his life, like, just thinking about movies and stories, that's what gives him, like, this unique perspective that he brings to the table to tell this story in a way no one else can think of. But it's also a collaborative effort because he had that great scene where everyone was, like, kind of building up upon each other's ideas for the big, like, fight, the scene in the rain in the film or, like, uh, the... The two lead actors are like throwing mud at each other after falling off. Oh, the male actor falls yeah, off the roof. Yeah, that's that's the so, point where I was just yeah. kind of like, I 
I was because especially since Pompo mentions it a couple of times, where it's just like, oh, you you, you look like you have eyes of somebody who's like got nothing else going on in their life. But mm. then you have that scene where it's like, you know, the actors are suggesting things, the camera people are suggesting things, and Gene rolls with them. So, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. and that's what kind of made me more like, okay, this isn't just going to be a thing where the central conflict is very predictable, which is like, it's my movie and I can only make it. It was that, but in a way where it was just like, no, it's because all these people believe in me that I have, that I can make this movie. That's me, the movie that represents myself, especially the talk he had with the Pompo's grandfather, who's like, you know, you, you shouldn't make a movie it shouldn't be just making a movie for the sake of making a movie. There's there's a thing. There's something that in, you need to find yourself in the film that you're making. Right. Oh. Yeah, he finds a real drive to, like, really go to bat to make the best art he can. And, like, his, like, dedication is reflected in the original character of the banker, Alan. And, like, he is, like, someone who kind of, you know, he was very popular in his high school days and, like, very kind of prodigious. But, like, now in the banking world, like, he's not up to snuff, like, because he doesn't do his research on his clients and he's not really happy with his job. But then, you know, he's encounters Gene's project and he believes in it and he goes to bat for it and puts us so much of his all and effort in standing up for it in the pitch meeting to the rest of the board. And yeah, it's like the message ultimately is just about, you know, finding something that you believe in and you will work your hardest to like create something that you want to share with others. Yeah. Because like, you know, that's what you're pouring your all into. That's what you want to communicate to the world. And uh, and it works for, and it works because you know the ultimate movie the message of it it reaches through to Pompo and she sits through the credits for the first time in a long time for her so that that's really great ending to the film yeah she like me for real for real <laughs> I mean honestly Mary I I do think you would get something out of this so like if it ever shows again or if we can get a copy and stream it or something I, I definitely think you would get something out of this. I'm definitely interested because I feel like these themes are like pretty resonant with me. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely like, keen to read the manga as well. This was definitely better than Bell too. Oh, I don't. I didn't dislike Bell as much as it seems you, uh, Sakagi Jacket did. But we can get into Bell now because I mean well, we had a little bit of a break for lunch. But oh, Jacket, did you? I mean, I was just gonna say dislike is a strong word because I'm like a huge fan of Mamoru Hosoda. So, like, saying that I dislike any of his movies is, like, right. kind of strong for me. <laughs> but, like, yeah. No, no, sorry for misrepresenting. No, you're I mean, fine, you're Boy fine. Lord and Sakagi have been like, oh, Bell is mid. I Bell mean, like, is... okay, like, so, so, <laughs> okay, like, last, if, like, only it, it depends of the on... was bad. Yeah. The first three-fourths, okay, yeah, take great. amazing. Last fourth, <laughs> bad. Yeah, it just, but, you, but you really hate the, the ending. It's, it's a really bad ending. <laughs> I don't think it's very strong either, but, like, <laughs> I thought it colored your feelings of film even more negative. I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I mean, hearing V-Lord now, I'm like, I'm with him. I'm not quite as animated as he is about it, but like, yeah, I didn't really <laughs> like the ending either, but everything uh, before mean, that was great. Like, if you, if you yeah. took everything before the ending and compared that to Pompo, I'd be like, yeah, Bell wins out, for sure. But, hmm. like, 
it's just that ending really brought it down. And it's not from a lot. I mean, Velor yeah. has very, very like, and I'll let him get to that very like. <laughs> what's the word I want to use? Is very valid reasons for what he disliked, but I just I just don't like how contrived it all was. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but anyway, Velor, no. Yeah. Well, I guess to describe the premise of Bell, it's like a sort of story of returning to this concept of like how virtual reality affects us in the real world and reflects our us in the real world and us losing ourselves into it and stuff like that. Seems he's explored in our war game and summer wars and kind of brought more to kind of like the modern context of like, you know, uh, young relationships and social media and like creating a different version of yourself in social media that can do the things you can't do or feel like you can't do in real life. Literally in the case with the protagonist Suzu uh, in this film, like she, because of trauma and social isolation she has lost her ability to sing which is something that once gave her joy but then in social media or in the world of the you the virtual world she is like the super popular singer bell and who's like a really popular virtual singer like worldwide she has like big concerts everyone seemingly is in love with her and uh her account is like managed by her like best friend like hero who like is just i guess really good at gaming the algorithm uh and is like super hardcore into that but basically yeah like so she's dealing with kind of coping with her trauma and coping like with this feeling of things she can't do in real life through the persona of bell and then she becomes entwined with like this uh, guy called the dragon who's like causing havoc in you by like you know getting to fights and like making a mess of things because his fights destroys data or whatever. And she wants to figure out his mystery because I think she realizes she sees in him another similarly lonely soul. And so she kind of forms a connection with him and starts to learn more about him, wants to try to help him as the film progresses. And ultimately in the effort to help him, she finally pushes out of her cell to kind of finally kind of reveal herself and be open about herself to the world and not be as, you know, fearful of like putting herself out there or expressing herself or going the extra distance to help someone. So yeah, that's sort of the, the essence of the film in a nutshell. And uh, yeah, I guess if we were to skip right to the ending and the problem with the ending, it's just that, you know, the, the at the core of the the drama and the conflict in Bell is uh, as a domestic abuse situation of, like, a child being abused by their parents. And, you know, in the climax of the film, they expose the abuse of parent online, and Susie's able to reach through to the kids to trust her by like purposely in like you know revealing herself in the world of bell like sacrificing the persona of bell to just reveal herself as suzu and then sing as suzu in the world of you uh and that gets through to the kids but you know in the climax of the film like she goes to where the kids are she stands up to the abuse of fodder but she doesn't take away the kids from the abuse of home. And we're supposed to understand that the father is just kind of a coward. That if you stand up to him, he'll back down and just kind of crawl away. But these kids are still, like, young. Very young. I don't think that, you know, just this one instance of Suzu coming to their defense and then him being skills online is going to confidently 
shows uh, and it reassures us that these kids will be all right. I think we want to see these kids get away from their abusive parent and find a new happy home at the end, and we don't quite see that. Oh, like, also just about to stare at the dude, <laughs> and he runs away. No, that's, like, that's the idea, is that this guy's a coward. Like, she doesn't have to do anything yeah. except, like, stand up to him but and not take But the flaw here is, like, bullshit. they mentioned earlier in the film that, like, they've tried to, like, get help to stop him before it hasn't worked. What has Suzu done that no one else has done that is somehow magically solving she, this situation? She is, I guess, the first one who has actually stood up to the dad unflinchingly, even after she gets hurt and is, like, bleeding. She's still, like, staring him defiantly in the face, and that freaks him out. so badly done, though. It's, it's like, like it's emotional logic rather than, like, the, the practical, okay, well, how are these kids actually legally safe now? From this, and see, I, I get the emotional part of it, and that part I feel is fine. But it's like I'm so bothered by the actual plot at that point that I can't care that much about the emotional aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree that the resolution of the conflict like fell flat to me because because of those problems she just mentioned. It's like we don't we want to see those kids know and be reassured those kids are safe. Like just one small out. scene of the guy getting arrested on TV and then yeah, like, being put in custody. If he that's yeah, all that's to do. Yeah. We don't see that. We don't know that happens. Cause it's kinda like like the whole thing is sort of like a mystery too. Like if you think about it, because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, who's the actual identity of this beast? And then we find right. out who it is, and then we find out like it's an abusive like household. So, so like yeah. the closure to, to this. They also have to do the master hacker stuff to figure True. out where the. Enhance the the cachet enhance like seriously. But it's, oh, it's kind of like if you're watching a detective and then he finds out who does it and then does nothing to it and it's just mm-hmm. like yeah. okay so there's no closure it's like he's just gonna run off and I don't know do the crime again. It's like Conan when he found the boss. Yeah, that's what I was over. just about to yeah. make a Conan <laughs> reference. <laughs> uh, but I mean, at least they, at least in Bell they investigate things. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but um, yeah, I was just about to make a Conan reference where they have information and don't really do a whole lot with it. But um, like, yeah, like I agree with Jekka. It's just weird that we we go through this whole thing. It's like it runs out the gate and then sort of whimpers on its way out. And it's like mm-hmm. I guess. This is, I mean, uh, well, no, I'm not going to say that, but, like, I guess this is just the kind of thing where it's like, oh, yeah, you're, you know, it feels good, everybody's happy, and you're supposed to sort of conveniently forget about a few things. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so it- I have a question to you guys. Did you predict who the dragon was? Because immediately, like, when those kids came on screen, I got it. Immediately. I thought it was either the little boy or the... I, I thought yeah, it was a little boy, the, probably. Because the brother, Kay, like, he was, his back was to the camera, and the little, and his bro- younger brother was saying, oh, the dragon is my hero. Immediately, I was like, oh, okay, the older brother of that kid is the dragon. Yeah, it was very obvious that it's something to do with the family. I was yeah. guessing the little boy, yeah, but, Yeah, that like, was my guess. Like, I, I will say that, that curveball, I actually didn't see that coming, that it was the older brother. I mean... I guess when you think about it in retrospect, it should have been obvious, but like True. yeah, because the the dragon has the like a uh, companion who is the little brother, and it's like kind of clear like the, with the way that character acts that oh the, the, those are similar kind of like 
soft-spoken, introverted kind of distant personalities. Like, you can tell, like, the little brother, sadly, has been really kind of uh, affected by the his parental abuse to be, like, kind of, like, a little bit emotionally guarded and, and vulnerable. So... So that you're it's so very, it's very sad and disturbing. Like when he's like, he has to be. He's just like silent and blank expression in front of like his dad yelling and abusing him. It's just it's yeah. horrifying and so distressing. That's why it's so disappointing that we don't see the justice delivered that that abusive dad and see those kids like get into a safer home. But yeah, I mean. The film is a visual spectacle. Like, the world of you is really interesting and cool. I like a lot of the avatars. Honestly, I like uh, Hero's avatar. It's like kind of a... He has kind of like those blue hair hand things. It kind of reminds me of like somewhat of Minna in Zelda. Mm. But, you know, I, I think her avatar was cool. And I think, you know, the singing... Uh, it was really great. I think it was very emotional. Like the big final performance at the end, like I thought it was very moving, especially with the crowd like singing along with her and coaxing her to like sing when she kind of stops for a moment when she briefly loses her confidence. So I appreciated that. And like the, the beat of like her kind of the utter like rival uh, singer also being like, when, Oh, Belle, you gotta sing. You're a girl just like me. Like I'm yeah. leaving you now too. To be fair, the moment is kind of lost when she just ends up getting the bell persona back anyway. Yeah, so that's oh, what I was about. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. What's the point of that? The whole point was that she reveals herself and she doesn't have to hide under the pretense of being someone like, else anymore. She I can thought, just authentically be herself in this virtual world as well as real life. I thought when they deleted the um the avatar like that's it like it can't yeah, come back and then it comes back it like five minutes later and it's is it like, like so that's the other thing it's like so during the film like there are these like kind of well there's like a police law enforcement agency in the world of you that is kind of delivering like vigilante justice or whatever and they are after the dragon and they have the power to basically remove someone's like you persona and so suzu intentionally like shoots herself with their gun to rid herself of the bell persona to just be herself in the virtual world but like for some reason as the concert goes on like those guys like because those law enforcement guys they they all have, like, sponsors that, like, pop up whenever they're doing something and making a big show of what they're doing. But, like, I guess somehow during the concert, like, for some reason, all the sponsors pull out their support of them. And I guess they go and support Belle, and then they sponsor her getting her persona back. And I guess that's into Because the big concert whale also shows up for Belle to ride on. So it's like... I don't know. People are like investing in this big performance or something. That's the idea. I don't. It doesn't. I guess you were supposed to make some connections that doesn't quite work. I don't. I don't understand why the sponsors just suddenly pull out of uh, Justin or and his groups like um like police like law enforcement thing in in you because it's like. They didn't really expose themselves as assholes. Like, we know they are assholes, but, like, all that's been happening is the concert. Like, they haven't exposed themselves as being jerks, and the dragon is, like, being a victim in this. Like, you know, so I don't really... I didn't really get that moment. See, Hassan is telling us that big corporations are good. <laughs> this is going to win Oscar next year. So true. To the competition. Uh, unfortunately, you know... 
it's not an anti-corporate or anti-virtual like message uh, necessarily. So it's like, yeah, you know, don't forego connection in the real world or lose sight of like who you really are and or who you are and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, like before the final act, this would be like a top tier of soda. Right. Belt. I mean, like the idea of like the, like both Suzu and Kay like working through their traumas through these virtual personalities is actually sweet, as is the connection they share as they spend time together and the the resolution of that. So yeah. I, there's really great like thematic ideas and explorations of our connection to technology and working through ourselves and our identities through these virtual personas and these virtual spaces. But then, you know, it kind of falls apart when you cut back to reality and the real world situation is not really resolved by the end of the story. Yeah. I mean, overall, it's not Boy and the Beast bad, but no. I'd say it's like second worst episode film. God, oh, that's- <laughs> Harsh. Oh That's, yeah, <laughs> what would be second worst for you then? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I ranked uh, them recently. I guess. I guess I still like Bell more than. I still think there's a there's more to Bell. I I don't dislike any of the other films, but I still think even though with my problems with Bell, there's more to Bell than at least the Digimon films. Like, okay, Digimon I'm not counting, I'm not counting the Digimon like films. And they're interesting, but I, I I think I find more in Bell that I, I like think about and appreciate. Like, there's one, there's other things that we did not mention. It's like, Bell is very funny. There are a lot of great comic <laughs> moments. True. Like, I think the, the big confession scene at the end, of, near the end of the film, where it's just like a stable shot. And we have these long pauses where, like, characters say something and then, like, like just pausing and, and waiting for the reaction of the other person, and the comedy for how Thanks. long and drawn out that and how awkward it is is just great. Yeah, that was funny. That really reminded me of like the girl who leapt through time because it had yes. like kind yes. of the same comedic. Yeah, the same comedic yeah. timing. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. It was so good. The entire audience was erupting with laughter at that entire sequence. That was a great, hilarious yeah. scene. But yeah, I mean, by second words, I'm not counting the Digimon film or the One Piece film because I haven't seen those. Okay. Yes. Okay. Coward. Yeah. <laughs> then I guess. Then I guess. Yeah. I mean, besides the Digimon films, that would probably be the my like second least favorite. Okay, but I, but it's a mile between this and Boy and the Beast for me. Yeah, like, Boy and the Beast, that thing is, like, that is, like, a proper mid-film. This is, like... That, that's the film where I have, like, even more fundamental problems that keep me from, like, fully yeah. appreciating like core character. Like, Hosoda not understanding healthy fatherhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before... Yeah. Shitty dads are good dads, kids. Hosoda. <laughs> uh, very, um, misguided look at what healthy masculinity is. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd recommend seeing Belle. No, but... yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Belle again, because, again, yeah. it is a visual spectacle, and I'm curious to see how the dub will handle it, because, I mean, the singing is such a huge integral part of it, so, I mean, the vocalist for Belle, uh, Nakamura, like, she did a really great job. I, I wonder who's going to be portraying Suzu uh, in the dub, and, you know, what kind of performance she'll give. But yeah, that'll be something cool to see and listen to, too. But yeah. No, I, I still enjoy Belle a lot. I feel like... I I thought I was like probably on the higher end of this, but maybe like I'm... Really, it's you as like who's the most down on it. I guess. I mean, like, it's definitely something a lot of people that didn't like Varai like this film more. 
Yeah, I actually I like Mirai more. Yeah, I like Mirai more too. Mirai was a really good film. Yeah, I don't know I what think, people thought. Strangely, I think you and me are kind of in a different boat than other people. Yeah. Jacka, do you like Mirai? For the most part, yes. Mostly because as like I think like people who have siblings kind of react to it more <laughs> since it is yeah, like a yeah, sibling film. But at the same time, I don't know, like parts of it it was good, but then, like, I don't know, it has its ups and downs. Versus, like, I like Void and the Beast mostly because of the ending. I don't know, like, I, I'm a sucker for those kinds of endings. But, like, overall, Void and the Beast did kind of suck. <laughs> 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 um, so it's kind of like the opposite of Belle for me. Where I like the ending, but, like, the whole story is kind of eh. And then Belle, it, the whole story is, well, okay, the whole story there is kind of, like, yeah, unless if you like cut off the ending, but then yeah, it's, I don't know. So I guess essentially, Hosoda has like three pretty damn good films and three pretty mid films, depending mm. on. Uh, mm. Yeah, I don't know. For me, anyway, yeah. like Mirai would probably be somewhere in the middle, though. Like either third or maybe third. No, fourth. I don't know. It yeah. depends. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment because I think. Talking just about his original villains, like, yeah, I think Summer Wars, Wolf Children, and Girl Who's Up to Time are pretty generally, like, most people really love them. But then, yeah, Mirai and Boy to Beast and now Belle are more mixed. I haven't seen Mirai, so that's interesting. I haven't oh, you haven't? Oh, shoot. You weren't there for the birthday stream. No, I was not. <laughs> I actually streamed it a couple years ago. No, I was not. I didn't see Mirai, and I didn't see Wolf Children, so... I, I didn't see Wolf Children. Add it to the Plex. I will add it to the Plex, <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I mean, Boy and the Beast, I barely remember it, so <laughs> I have no comments on it. Because <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> I mean, that, that's probably it, so, yeah. Capay's in it, though. Capay's in it. I mean, yeah, he is, but, like, I barely remember anything that happens in it. Yeah, he has, like, <laughs> so, four lines. Like, uh, like, uh, shoot. Summer Wars is my favorite movie. Like, if I'm not counting the One Piece mm. movie, even though One Piece movie, I like it, but... It's another one of those things where it's like the ending was weird to me. Like I know what it was building up to, and I understand that it's not. It's first of all, it's a One Piece movie, and second of all, it's not going to be this whole big, you know, theatrical like flourish at the end. But I, I don't know. I just ended really low key for me. Not, not low key. And this is I loved everything that led up to it. And then it was just like, okay, that's it. And yeah, if it wasn't a One Piece movie, would it be better? No. Maybe. No, I think that it reflects upon the <laughs> themes of one piece. And no, the yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, no. it it envisions what uh, like them fracturing apart yeah. and like losing which, that which connection. That was all. That was all. Of the that was all super well done. That I liked a lot. Even I mean, I guess it's just a mm-hmm. thing of the story versus the runtime, like. Mm. That would have been different to me. I mean, the Digimon one I don't remember either, so I can't comment on that. But like, yeah, if if I had to say what my favorite movie is, is Summer Wars for sure. That one I actually watched like multiple times because I liked it so much, and that's that's like the highest rating I can give a thing is that I watch it more than once, like immediately, <laughs> rather than watching it more than once, like once a year or something. So like, yeah, I really like Summer Wars. But I mean, as far as Bell goes. 
I mean, I'm not probably as harsh on it as Velor, but yeah, I didn't really like the ending. Everything leading up to it was great, though, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I just really, it just felt yeah. super duper contrived to me. Just all of these, all of these, like, coincidences just kind of line up, and then we're supposed to just buy it after everything that, everything that the movie's presented up to the, that point. And well, yes, I get there's a little bit of magic realism, it's just also like, uh, yeah, no. My willing sense of disbelief. Yeah, I know the exact shape of that building in this city <laughs> in the distance. That's like <laughs> several hours away. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like, no. My willing suspense of disbelief was like, yeah, it was gone at that point. So. Yeah, I was there that one time. <laughs> I remember it exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. So, but yeah, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, I, if, if it weren't for the ending, like I said, I would definitely have said that Bell would have beat out Pompo, but Pompo just was just like a great complete package. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess after Bell, if anybody else has anything to say, we all just, we ran to the, Jack and I ran to the, uh, dealer, we were at the dealer's room, we were at the dealer's room before movies, and then we ran back really fast, because Bell ended up being a little, ending a little earlier than, yeah, so we ran back there, and, you know, we, we didn't, like, we didn't get to mention it Saturday. We didn't say what we did Saturday too much, but yeah, we like we tried going to the dealer's hall. We bought a couple of things, and mostly a friend of ours was like, he has a booth, and he goes to like several different cons. He's at Anime Frontier right yeah, now. Yeah, he is. He's at, yeah, um, <laughs> Jimmy Gnome. Like, he knows us, he knows me by like, just sight, because I always, because he, it's like a retro game and like, anime merch booth. So like I I've been trying to buy the all five the original Super Bomberman games so I buy one per con so by now he knows it's me and I and I realized and I got home and I realized I bought Super Bomberman two twice so <laughs> now I have to go so I have one more reason to go back to see him because I have to get the first one now <laughs> but yeah we bought a few things uh Jekka you bought some things there right like you bought a few yeah. things I um. So shout out to Jimmy for recognizing who I was just for the stuff that I bought because I bought like a bunch of them. I brought like a couple Conan things, one Jin. Uh, I-, I think it's kind of like a keychain, and uh, I got a couple Heiji things, and also I got stuff from Ojama Dorimi, mostly like Momoko stuff, and he uh, apparently remembered that I actually like Momoko. <laughs> So, um, he was like looking at the stuff, and he's putting it in. And he's like, "Hey, by um, by chance, are you Jekka?" And I'm like, "Yeah, good guess." <laughs> it's like echoes of like. So when that I was fir- an experience. That was like echoes of when I first met him. He was just like, I bought bar. I think it was Super Barman three, and he was just like, "Oh, you're Sakaki, aren't you?" <laughs> I was like, "Yep." Yeah. So like, it's always nice to be recognized, but. Like our, our our artist alley like experience was I mean yeah it was stuff <laughs> we kept seeing what was the we we kept seeing stuff from like one it was it mob like that we kept seeing like mob stuff we wanted but it was all sold out <laughs> yeah it was mob that was on Sunday yeah we um we were going through again because we didn't really get to see too much on Saturday because it was crowded as hell. So we were like, let's try again on Sunday. And, like, we went through and basically, like, every single, like, cool-looking mob thing was sold out. 
And oh. <laughs> yeah. like, we we just kept walking, and I was just like, "Damn, that would have been nice." But yeah, there was just like this one shirt that really... was like Reagan, like with the the salt the salt girl, the Morton. Oh yeah, the salt. Yeah, girl. That, like, that one was amazing, <laughs> and like, and it was sold out. Yeah. Yeah, apparel always, like, I find in my experience, it's it's better to hedge your bets in buying that earlier in the con than uh, yeah. shirts and stuff. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, there was so much going on, and there were way too many people. Like, we tried walking through there on Saturday, and literally we were going, like, half a mile an hour, because, <laughs> like, everybody kept, like, pushing against you, you're pushing against everybody else, <laughs> and, like, you can't even stop and look, yeah, it, because uh, everybody's trying to move along, and it's just... My pet peeve at that is just with those kind of situations. It's funny, it's the opposite of what you said. When people just sort of stop and like randomly in front of yeah. people, that, that kills and me. It's like, <laughs> I, I know, like, that's the same for me. Like, I can't stand when people stop in front of you, but like, I also want to stop and step off to the side, but what side can you go exactly. to when there is none? <laughs> exactly. But yeah, we end up like. <laughs> I know I got like a gorilla's print, which is I want to hang it up somewhere, but I don't know. What else did I get? I mean, I got a couple things for friends. Um, I got a thing for my sister, but I like a Hello Kitty plush for her because she loves Hello Kitty. And then I got the poster for like Nemo, the Japanese animated movie. <laughs> like mm. the not the poster, the pamphlet. So that was a thing. Mm. I haven't even been able to look through it. And we got... The, oh, yeah, I got from Jimmy's booth, we got the Disney Dance Dance Revolution CD. Oh, true. <laughs> which I haven't... I meant to rip it, but I haven't had a chance to yet. But, like... And then, like, Jekka got a few Detective Conan pamphlets, along with, like... Was it Sherlock Hound? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got the Sherlock Hound movie pamphlet. And I did get one of the Urusei Ratsura movie pamphlets that uh, mentioned earlier. Mm. I got... What were the two? I got two Conan movies, right? Yeah. I'm about to have a look. I took a picture of all of them. Like, it was the... Movie 14. The Lost Ship uh, in the Sky. sky. Yeah. Yeah. And... Rusei Yatsura movie 3. You also got 9 from Adachi. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. That's what it was. I I like 9. I was like, oh my god, it's a dachi, I need it. So I got it. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's pretty much all I bought. I did buy a poster for a friend of mine, Kirua, a poster from Hunter Hunter. Nice. That's it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I mean, speaking yeah. of movies, going back to Sunday, we, we all decide not to see Gintama. Sorry, Colton. Gintama seeing it the next day. Like, if we had been able to see... Sub on that night, we might have gone, but there it's just sub boat nights. Yeah. That was only me Sunday afternoon. I mean, as much as I joke that the Gintama movie sucks, it's actually good. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, you know, like, Seikage and I are the ones who, like, had <laughs> the context for it, really. It right? wasn't that confusing. It wasn't that confusing, because they had a great the Dragon Ball parody intro <laughs> recap of yeah. the entire plot so far. It was very mm-hmm. educational in Gintama lore. Yeah. I learned everything I had to need to know about Gintama, and now I never have to read the manga. Exactly. <laughs> there, there that, was the, that was the best experience. That, that sequence is always... I mean, I, 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 that, that'll be yeah. for the eventual Manga Mavericks episode, where I, I complain about how much I really don't like that arc. 
work. I mean, like, I know that we were all just like, oh, we're tired, let's just go do something else, but, like, I, I just really didn't want to see that movie, because I have just a whole shit ton of problems with that final arc. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I, I mean, I would have went to see, if we were, if everybody voted on, okay, let's go see it, then I would have went, but I don't think I would have enjoyed it very much. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah, and we were tired, so we just chilled. Yeah, we got some Indicage, which yeah. was super good. Yeah. <laughs> super. Oh my god. Uh, I I was so happy to finally have Indicage again after two years. It was a go-to like restaurant for me when I was on the go, when I was in New York for college. I would go there pretty frequently for lunches and dinners because it was right by uh, one of my main, like, uh, school buildings where I would often have classes and on my way and my commute to the other building too so yeah I had lunches there a lot uh, and yeah like I was so glad to finally eat their cotty rolls again and uh, yeah that was nice and experience I'm like I'm so glad we were able to go because unfortunately when we came in on Thursday we were too late or you know we shouldn't have been too late because they said they closed at 10 on their on their website, but when we got there, which is only a little past nine, they said, oh, we're closed. And it's like, oh, they closed early, unfortunately. So that was sad. But on Sunday, we meet up for a baby nurse. That was really nice. Yeah, and that was basically the last thing we did together that no, day. No, we went to Krispy Kreme afterwards. Oh, we, yeah, we went to Krispy Kreme. Yeah, yeah, and that was the Krispy last Krispy thing. We, had, we got some great Krispy Kreme donuts. Yes. And including our fruit. At least I cashed in uh, for my free vaccination. I think both me and Marion did yeah, too. Yeah, yeah yep. we did too, actually. Because um, yeah. I went there trying to get more of the Thanksgiving donuts, but they were out of the mm. Dutch apple pie one, which is super good. I regret mm. everything. We should have went sooner. God damn it. <laughs> um, I mean, I said um, let's go yeah, Monday so- morning, but you were like, no, so. No, I mean, like when I asked the lady, well, the, she was oh, true, like, true, true, yeah, yeah, we didn't get her, we didn't get her shipment in, and like I didn't even get to try one, and I'm like, you poor soul. Anyway, uh-huh. so I was like, yeah, just give us three glazes, and she said, well, if you show me your vaccine card, we'll just let you like give you two of them for free, and then you just have to pay for the one. And I was like, I, so that's what we did. Um, Sakaki so got a hat. Oh yeah, I did. I did get a hat. <laughs> like yeah, I. I... I've been wanting. I actually wanted the one the first time we came, but I was like, oh, I don't want to spend that money. But I almost got a mug because those mugs are actually really cute. It's like a pink <laughs> mug with like sprinkles on it. I almost got that. I did not, but I, I wanted to next time. Yeah, I'm going again in a couple weeks. So yeah, lucky yeah. <laughs> crispy cream convoy. Unfortunately, there are no crispy creams in Minnesota anymore. So yeah. oh no, you know. I'm, but I was glad to go and cash in on that free vaccination donut. Uh, I mean, one day Krispy Kreme, one day we'll return. There used to be one right by our house growing up, and we never went. <laughs> I have to drive up I to Scranton just to like get some. So how far is that? Yeah, like an hour ish. Um, the the first time I ever had it, we went last year. Yeah, that sounds about right. We went, and my my sister is like a really big Office fan, so we 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 went to see the uh, Clock Tower. <laughs> <laughs> that shows up in like the opening so uh she went there and she took some pictures i was just like well, why but then i was also like well i geek out about crap she doesn't care about so here we go <laughs> it's the best sibling relationship it's her turn 
that's the best of my relationship. But yeah, I mean, we. So I mean, that I guess that was the last thing we did together. I mean, we took a picture. So anybody mm-hmm. that wants to see it on Twitter, yeah, you yeah. could definitely see it. Like I think Marion posted it. Yeah. yeah. I think they put back at it again on Krispy Kreme. Too. Yes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we all had to say farewell. It was painful. Mm. But, I mean, Sakaki, we'll hopefully see you pretty soon. Yes. I'm hoping to, like, head out there for New uh, It'll be my first New Year's not at Maryland. Because at this point, it, it would just mm. make more sense for me to stay most of that week than to go the day before New Year's. So... Yeah, oh, and then you guys yeah. can show me all the food out there. We, we've got like a running list of oh, yeah. places I'm going to go eat. <laughs> so <laughs> the Sakaki going to be a tour. complete Minneapolis food. Show. Yo, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. but it's going to be really nice to hang out all five of us again. Uh, the next time we can meet up for a con, probably next Anime NYC. But it was really great just hanging out again for the first time in like. Two years. Uh, I mean, for this year's con, I think we all had a, a great experience. I mean, I've seen you guys uh, too much this year, honestly. <laughs> right. I mean, no, so that was it. Was the third time that we met up with you, Sakaki, and it's not the last time this year. No, but, uh, no it's, it's great. It's been great. It, it has been. It has been. So I, I really though. enjoyed the time being able to hang out with you guys more. I mean, I'm hoping we'll mm-hmm. definitely be able to do more next year too. But yeah, yeah. But I guess I want to just close off and like, what are our final thoughts and feelings on Anime NYC this year? And would you recommend people go to next year's uh, in light of the some of the problems that did pop up in this year's? I mean, I can start, I guess. Um, for one thing, make sure you're fully vaccinated, get your booster shots and everything. If you're not immune to compromise and you feel like you will be fine going to a con at the risk of possibly getting a variant, then go to Anime NYC next year. But do realize, like, you are going with the risk of, like, possibly getting something. And get tested, like, immediately afterwards. Get tested the moment you get back. Yeah. And then again, probably uh, a week afterwards, because symptoms can take four to five days to pop up. Yeah. But do do go with caution. Don't assume just because everyone's vaccinated or they're checking vaccination cards that you're like immune from getting the virus because that's mm-hmm. not what's gonna happen as we saw this year yeah i agree basically just make sure uh you, you keep yourself safe and you keep others safe i feel like uh also be on the lookout for more news about like if they do or don't decide to expand the venue uh or at least what's available to them uh, if for some reason they decide, they decide not to, I will probably refrain from next year because <laughs> it's just yeah. way too cramped. I mean, I guess on, in terms of the quality of the con, like I'll probably go if they don't expand next year, but I really hope that they do because I mm-hmm. I do feel the con is starting to risk becoming an anime expo in terms of. The line length and the congestion. They said they are looking into expanding the space they have inside the Javits and then outside. So yeah. hopefully they are able to procure that. And they also will make the other improvements uh, they need to to reduce the line weights and improve the experience for attendees and all areas. And yeah. 
Here's hoping. Because I remember the first year, I think part of it, too, was, like, there was a con renting out the other half of the center. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't yeah. It, like a it was a jewelry. Thing? It was like a pet. Was it jewelry or jewelry? No, it was like a pet con. Pet. Yeah, it was pet was con. Pet I con? got a tennis ball from them. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, but I think this year there wasn't another con of the other half. No, there wasn't. No. It was completely yeah. This year, that space was. Yeah, yeah. Them. so I, I mean, feel they like have to pay for it, but they, they probably should invest in just renting out the entire thing. Yeah, I mean, despite the growth they had, the they still they have like a fraction of the attendance of New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con in twenty nineteen had like two hundred sixty thousand attendees, and they used the entire center. You know, like Anime Man only has fifty three thousand, but still, I think that you know. They still should invest in the entire center because with the amount of attendees they have, the space they have is already crowded. Yeah, like that. Plus, like if we do want to keep like everybody safe, like it honestly mm-hmm. should have had at least like yeah. one more floor or like one more section so that we could have like more people like spread out. Yeah, because, it should be. Yeah, like I was really surprised that they didn't, especially like this year, and like they sold out extremely quickly and. Like, there were just way too many people in there. Like, honestly, we could have maybe, like, had Artist Alley in, like, another section and, like, had that more spread out so that we could actually, like, go through everything. But, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, expanding is kind of also the perspective of, like, future-proofing it. Because, like, I'd say next year, if the increases are staying consistent, we'll be around 75k attendees. That's quite a bit of growth. I mean, yeah. they only had a 7,000 increase from uh, the last show to this year's, so... Well, yeah, so I mean, like, not exact, but, like, maybe, like, 70k, something around that. No, I mean, if they had a seven, another 7,000 increase, that'd be, like, a 60,000. Uh, Wait, so it's 63,000 right now, though, right? It's no, 53,000. Okay, so 60,000, I mean. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What is that? But yeah, <laughs> what you're going to school for? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Technically, no, but but the number's already there. I just have to like type a bid to the computer. Okay, fair. True, that, the computer that, does all the math. That is fair. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I would keep going just because. I mean, it's not that far for me. I, if I'm to be completely True, honest, same. like. Let's say this was like AX where you have to fly halfway across the, the country to get to it, at least from my perspective. Then if it weren't going to expand or if expansion weren't in the works or if it was going to keep being like this, then yeah, I probably would be like, no, I wouldn't go back. But I just look at it like this, like even if I go to the con, I mean, oh, I should throw in the fact that uh, WSSTV did not get in this press. <laughs> so <laughs> that, just weren't good enough this nothing. year. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, guys. But yeah, like <laughs> the way I see it is just like even if I go, I, I pay to get into the con or whatever, and it's too full to do anything. Like it's so close to where I live that I could just make it. And it's New York. There's other things to do. Like True. so, like I would still just go, even if I'm only going to go for like a maybe an hour or two or a couple hours, like during a day, and then go find something else to do. But overall, like I thought it was. I mean, other than the fact that growing pains, of course, and the unique situation to we're in due to COVID, I still think I had a reasonably fun time. Like, outside of Lion Con, of course. But, yeah. Though, <laughs> to be fair, I generally only go to cons to meet up with friends anyway. I'm, like, not, like, unlike Marion, who goes for, like, panels and stuff, uh, if a bunch of people I know are going, or if I'm going to be meeting people there, then 
I'm pretty happy with that. Like, so maybe my perspective is a bit skewed in that respect, but yeah. Okay, you fucking mm-hmm. boomer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no. no. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, he is the oldest one Shut here. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I'm kind of in the middle. Like, I, I'm here for friends, but then I'm also... I'm also here for guests, but, like, since this year, you know, it wasn't really... I just went because, like, New York is, like, an hour and a half-ish drive from me. I mean, I took the bus, but, like, it it's really not that far. Plus, it's not completely expensive. Like, if you wanted to go to AX, that one is kind of on the AS side. Unless if you get, like... A pretty decent deal, or like you buy early, then you can still get in for like under a hundred bucks. Or press, but or the press, or press, (laughs) or (laughs) unlike the normies. Anyway, um, (laughs) 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 uh, no, yeah, like it's not really expensive, and it's a, it's pretty close. So honestly, I I might want to go next year, unless if for whatever reason I can't. But considering this might be, like, the biggest and closest con to me. I mean, there are other smaller cons closer to me, but I'm also, like, I don't really want to go there. I like, I I probably would consider going. Like, this year was less fun, I want to say. But also, I mean, I enjoyed myself, and that's pretty much what's important and everything. And Sunday made up for it. Sunday was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed myself at Anime NYC this year. It was great hanging out with you guys and it was great meeting up with a lot of people that, you know, I don't get to see often, like Erica. And uh, I really appreciated that and appreciated a lot of the cool panels that we went to and getting to see those screenings of Wampu and Bell and um, of a lot of great stuff. And, you know, as far as, like, getting Heroes of Yachts prints goes, I got three cool prints this year. So, Hey, you know, that's uh, sometimes I don't even find any, so that's really nice. But in terms of like what I recommend this to like a con newbie, uh, with the way this year show is handled, uh, it's hard for me to recommend it to a general attendee because a lot of people ended up having to wait a long time in lines just to get in and to get into certain events, uh, only for not. So that was, you know, not a great experience for a lot of people, and yeah, if they make improvements to alleviate those issues next year, I think I can more readily recommend it. But, like, I I was asked, or like, I had, you know, seen, like, Kendra from Pod, like, she was tweeting, like, oh, I wish I had gotten to NYC, and I was like, you know, I would recommend Otakon over it, because I thought Otakon was much less stressful experience and it was less crowded in there even though their attendance was higher than the previous uh cons too and uh, it was generally a lot of also a lot of fun and uh, also a lot of cool people you can meet up with uh, from the annie twitter manga twitter space that's just cool to interact with nintendo panels and yeah so i would say that i would I, I had a lot of fun in NYC and definitely don't regret going because I really enjoyed myself and had a lot of great experiences, uh, especially in the wake of like the days before not being so great for a few reasons for me. It was a really nice breath of fresh air and a lot of fun that really perked uh, me up. And 
Yeah, but I, I do think that there were issues with the way this year's show was handled that do need to be addressed, and hopefully, uh, Mia and Racy, they they can they can next year improve on the line issues, uh, improve on all the space issues, and help make it feel like a less packed and less chaotic experience for a lot of people. But I think. That about wraps us up for our final thoughts on the con and our con report for this year. So I want to thank you guys again for joining us for, you know, this retrospective on this year's NWC and look forward to next time we can meet up and hang out to the next time we're all at together. Oh, for sure. Yes, I, honestly, I I hope I can make it to Otakon because uh, I would have had a lot of fun if I had gone this year and got to see you all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, definitely swing by. I mean, I got. <laughs> like <laughs> it's worth it for the discotheque thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shout out to mm. discotheque. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, yeah, I mean definitely if you can, definitely swing by. Like you don't even have to get a hotel room, just come in and crash in my house. You know? So it, but, Sakaki, don't you wanna escape? I do, but like I was just saying like I don't know if I will or won't. I mean obviously if I am gone from there then you guys will have to figure out something, but like if I'm still there, then yeah, sure. You know, I don't mind hosting people. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean the hotel blocks are going up early, so yeah. if we need to, I think we can get those. Yeah. But either way, I think it's a great place for all of us to hang out. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, until the next time we do hang out and we all chat together on pod again on our experiences or on whatever topic we want to talk about together, why don't you all uh, shout out where people can find you on social media and the interwebs? Marion, how about you start us off? Uh, sure. So you can find me on Twitter at microwavy that is before the V. I have a card in my description that has uh, all the other projects I'm on. I co-host bunch of things with V-Lord and Sakaki, like the Demon Slayer podcast, uh, Saturday Night Shoggy, uh, Over Solo Shaman King podcast, and I'm also part of other things, like sometimes I'll, I'll guest as a part of uh, MHA podcast with Kendra, who we mentioned before, and she's also a part of the, the Haiku podcast with me. At the moment, that one's on hiatus, uh, so is uh, my first podcasting project ever, uh, Good Friends Anime Club. But that does have a Twitter, so who knows if we will get back. You'll be the first to know. <laughs> Besides that, I also I used to write <laughs> before work, work started oh, no. kicking my ass. I'm I'm a editorial writer for Tsunami Faithful at tsunamifaithful.com. CJ was the homie, and he shouted out my berserk piece for the, the anniversary of the the manga. So thank you, CJ. I also write for WSS TV, Weekly Shonen Sunday Talkback Edition, uh, or Shogaku Con Edition, because you know we gotta, <laughs> gotta we gotta hoi. expand, we gotta enterprise, you know. <laughs> yeah, we gotta be hoi but, hoi uh, hoi. Yeah, <laughs> I'll see if I can whip something up before the year ends. At least, like, I wanna, I wanna write something about Freerun because it's such a, it's such a darling for all of us, and yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to see if I can whip something up before the year ends. Hey, don't uh, worry. Besides Gotta review that, that god tier ace lettering. <laughs> yeah, so true. yeah, true. But yeah, no hurry. Like, uh, we're we're all yeah. life is kicking all of our asses. So yeah, and then besides that, 
my personal blog at heavensdoorknob.wordpress.com. I haven't done anything since, I think, like, February or March. But I'm proud of all the stuff that gets up on the air because usually it's just stuff I'm passionate about or I get enough feelings to want to just slap them on the page. So uh, whatever you get there is usually just my, my raw, honest thoughts, which is uh, if you're into critiques like that, definitely check it out. Nice. And yeah, definitely check out Olivian's stuff and Sakaki, Jekka, would you like to shout out your guys' stuff? Sure. I mean, I guess the only thing that we're both not on is uh, Another Day, Another Adventure, a Dragon Ball podcast I do with Colton. Uh, you can find it at Another DB Pod on Twitter. Basically, if it's animated and has Goku in it, we're probably going to talk about it. We'll probably be doing this for eternity, <laughs> unless we find a hyperbolic time chamber where we could avoid some of this. But, um, like, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing that for a while. But it's fun. It's fun. I know I'm making it sound like it's work, but it's actually a lot of fun. And mm. other than that, you know, uh, Jekka and I run uh, WSSTV on, or WSS Talkback on Twitter, which is a Shonen Sunday based podcast where we talk about all the things in the magazine or where we're the one Twitter account that doesn't just do news, we talk about the entire magazine every week. As well as, of course, of news and translations. Like, the most recent thing on the blog is a translation of the new editor, Kazunori Oshima, who has now taken over editing, is the head editor of Sunday, and you can get see his thoughts on the blog. wsstalkback.blogspot.com Yeah, and, you know, occasionally we'll talk about yeah, what's going on in the magazine, and also review manga, which, again, I understand everybody's busy, so hopefully we'll get back to that. Like, the review before the interview is Jekka's, actually, and I know she's working on the Darren Sean thing, which has been really fun to kind of... It's still in the planning process, because I I barely have... Actually, I still need to finish the end of the uh, sixth book, so... And the fucking... The... <laughs> The seventh and the eighth book, um, Omnibus came out. Yeah, and I, I was like, I'm not even touching this until I actually write another freaking article because holy crap, how are we halfway through this already? Um, yeah, but work's been kicking my ass, like Takagi said earlier, and uh, like so much stuff comes up during the holidays, so I'm probably not even gonna be able to touch it until next year. Which is fair. I mean, hey, we are the one Twitter account that Darren Sean has seen and acknowledged. <laughs> so, well. Also, sorry, like, continuing on with this, books 9 and 10 also come out next year. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? We're not drowning, we're waving. Don't worry about us. You could also, I write for Toonami Faithful as well, so you can check that out. I haven't written anything in a while, and I really feel terrible about that. And my personal Twitter is at Kirobon, K-I-I-R-O-B-O-N. Been trying to be a little bit better at actually tweeting things instead of just retweeting WSSTB from it. So if you see the uh, weird tweet once in a while, it's just me spitting shit out there, so I'm relevant. Because that's what people who are in mid-life crisis is like me do. So, Jack, what was yours? Oh, my personal Twitter is Jekka1021. That is my birth date. Don't forget it. It's okay. You can forget it. Um, I already have. Uh, I'm getting too old. <laughs> uh, 
Actually, I'm the second oldest one here, right? Yeah. See? No. Wait. Are we the same age or no? You're, uh, you're a little younger than yeah. I am. You're 94. I'm 93. Oh, okay. Uh, no, Sid would be a second. Wait. Sid is the second. No. No? I'm not. I'm younger than you guys. I'm 95. Oh. Oh, right, right, yeah, you're the same, you're, you're in the same year my sisters were born, right? Okay, so... Damn. All right, so it's Damn, we, Takagi, we can't exceed something without any of us. Sid, <laughs> yeah. V-Lord's the baby. He is. Yeah. Baby V-Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, um, you can find me at um, Jekka1021 on Twitter and on YouTube. I have not uploaded really anything on YouTube. I, oh shit, that's another thing. <laughs> Um, Why do you do this? I may or may not be working on another project for YouTube. I don't think that's gonna happen this year, guys. I really don't. (laughs) Um, uh, on Twitter, I usually like tweet about random shit nobody really cares about. Occasionally, I I trend a little bit between like the the Conan community, but I mean nothing more than like fifty retweets, which is like a hit in my book. But you know. It's okay. You yeah. do bangers once in a while. Just, really just, good. just. That's true. <laughs> Nobody sees it. Look at Chica flexing, right? <laughs> I love a wife that's confident. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I don't really have anything else. You can usually just find me all over the internet, whether if I'm under Chica ten twenty one or not. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely check out all this Sakaki and Jika stuff. And V-Lord, you got a lot of stuff to plug. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you can find me on Twitter at VLordGTZ. Then I write various things for all-comic.com, as well as Tsunami Faithful. So you can check out all that writing. And then I do a bunch of podcasts, like Marion mentioned. Marion, Sakaki, and I do the Demon Slayer podcast on Twitter at the Slayer Podcast. As well as Saturday Night Shoggy at Sat Night Shoggy and Oversoul Shaman King podcast at Shaman King Pod. Besides those, I also do a podcast called the Dumb Weebs Podcast on Twitter at Dumb Weebs Pod. And then I'm occasionally on the Tanami Faithful Podcast, which is on Twitter at Tumanami Podcast. So, yeah, you can listen to me on all of those places if you really want to. All right. And as for me, you can find me at Ramamiyasha on Twitter. Ramamiyasha on a variety of places like Animation Revolution, Analyst, Letterboxd, Reuters, Ramamiyasha. That's where you can find me. You can also read my reviews on mangamarics.com. we got a lot of books coming out, a lot of reviews coming out, so look forward to more on there. That's where you can also find the other podcasts I do, including Lum Squad, the Grizzly Outsider Focus podcast. I host my good friend Andrea C. Yoshimura, where we discuss the wonderful Lucky World of Gakushi's Yurzi Outsara covering both the manga and the movies and we're having a ton of fun of that getting a lot of episodes out really spreading the love along so look forward to more episodes coming your way and you can also find of course manga mavericks on mongrels.com where else would you find it and of course we're also on twitter at manga underscore mavericks we are on tumblr.com or on youtube youtube at manga mavericks you can just search for it in the channel bar and you'll find it and we are also on every podcast probably anything of Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. The same is true for Lone Squad as well. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Anchor. And uh, yeah, if you want to 
leave us a rating review on our podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts. That would really help us uh, get seen more in the algorithm, reach more ears, hearts, minds. If you want to send us any feedback, you can send that our way to mangamavericks at gmail.com. We love reading your guys' thoughts. How, did you go to NYC this year? What were your thoughts on the con? What were your thoughts on how it could be improved better? And do you think, are you comfortable going to cons during the pandemic? Or do you still feel like we should wait a bit. Like, send us your thoughts and your perspectives to us, and we'll read them out on the show. We love getting your guys' thoughts and feedback, and uh, we, you know, interacting with you guys. And we also greatly appreciate it if you, uh, tro- you know, any supportive way. If you like the work we do, if you want to support us, you can uh, support us on Patreon. My is at pa- patreon.com slash magamavericks. Uh, we have variety of tier options available for you to you know pledge support at this includes like our two dollar tier for early access to podcasts that come out early and our three dollar tier for early access to episodes of another day and another adventure and our five dollar bonus tier for access to monthly patreon exclusive bonus pods which includes like exclusive podcast miniseries on Dungeons of adventure and saint sea exclusive podcasts on like Various movies, including Dragon Ball Super Broly, a four and a half hour discussion of that. And uh, of course, uh, recently we'll have up some cool episodes we're doing with our good friend Maxi Bernard on different manga magazines in Japan. We have an episode on Shonen magazines we've done. We have an episode on Shoujo magazines that's coming up. And we're also doing with Maxi our annual g- retrospective of this year in Shonen Jump. So if you want our thoughts on Shonen Jump series and its lineup in this past year, definitely look forward to that coming out on our Patreon. It's sure to be a good three-hour-ish discussion of uh, our thoughts on Jump, so yeah, look forward to that. And yeah, like, uh, your guys' support really helps us out, you know, pay for our hosting costs, pay for the cost of the website, uh, every little bit helps, and helps us keep the show going, and continue to produce more cool stuff for you guys, so we really are grateful and thankful for your guys' support, and uh, support you'll give us in, in the future, hopefully. And if you like the art I make for the podcast, for Ron Marriott's and Love Squad. You can find my art and animation, illustration, all that stuff on my Instagram Acid Artworks. Uh, but that basically does it for all the plugs for this episode, and it finally rounds out our, as usual, quite long and extensive Con Report podcast for Anime NYC. And until the next one, we will be signing off with a Sayonara. Sayonara, because <laughs> we've been close together, still different people, but we're not alone. Sayonara, bye bye. Please take care of yourself. Because we've been close together, still different people, but we're not alone. Sayonara, bye bye. Bang. <laughs>